Tip today with Fran Curry, Imro Radio Award Gold winner. In association with slatterysgarage.ie. Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, the free phone number. It doesn't cost you anything to make a call to the show. And Ali is looked at, looking after uh, proceedings today. Coming up on this morning's show, should burkas be banned in Ireland? Are women leaving hospital too soon after giving birth? The hurdles being put up for people's uh, for people seeking illness benefit. We'll hear one listener's story on that. We'll also hear about students uh, waiting for junior cert uh, results. The rise in men over 60s reporting domestic abuse. Our agony aunts, uh, Phil Prendergast, will be with us live in studio. And Alison Byrne will be with us to read your tarot cards. So if you have an interest in tarot cards, and if you would like your tarot card uh, read on air, would you register with us, please? 83 311 and Ali will give you a call back and make an arrangement uh, with you for that. So that's in the final hour of the programme. 83 311 for your text and WhatsApp. You can uh, email tip today. That's tipfm.com. Let's have a look at your headlines today. The Irish Daily Mail, blueprint on future of housing to worsen the crisis. Now, the government's development plan for the next 20 years is fundamentally flawed and will exacerbate the housing crisis. That's according to a new report. The National Planning Framework was billed as the long-term overarching uh, strategy to make Ireland a better country for all and to build a more resilient and sustainable future. But a a report by property agents Savills uh, warns the plan launched under the previous government has seriously underestimated population growth uh, in Dublin and will strangle housing supply there. So that's kind of um, amazing to read that today. Uh, the Irish Times, they're leading with the Dowdle to be relocated to an English-speaking country. It's a very interesting story indeed. Jonathan Dowdle, he's to be given a new identity and relocated to an English-speaking country with some limited financial support as part of efforts to keep him safe after he agreed to provide evidence relating to the 2016 Regency Hotel uh, shooting. Uh, Also on the Times today, the government uh, remains sceptical about Britain taking a new approach to negotiations on Northern Ireland's protocol with fresh talks on resolving the deadlock over the post-Brexit agreements set to begin this week. The Irish Independent, homeowners paid £600 million to subsidise energy for big firms. Now, I had forgotten all about this, but um, let me remind you, because a subsidy paid by householders, that's you and me, to help big businesses with their energy costs was still being added to domestic bills up until last week, it has emerged. At least £600 in extra charges has been levied on households' electricity bills since the large energy use rebalancing subvention was introduced more than a decade ago and the subsidy has cost individual households up to €480 since the support was introduced during the last recession by Mr Eamon Ryan. So there you are. I'm sure there'll be much more about that 
in the days to come as well. The Irish Examiner, alarm over lack of sea cable defence. There's a pressing need to build naval capacity to provide underwater energy and communication pipelines and cables vital for Ireland's national security. Experts um, have said, and also on the Examiner today, many inpatient uh, waiting lists at Munster hospitals have increased over the past year, despite significant funding analysis shows. And seemingly in February of this year, the government allocated €350 in dedicated funding to tackle the waiting lists following the previous plan from September of last year. But even though this money was invested, um, there's an increase uh, over the past year in uh, waiting lists, which is amazing. Now, what happened to the £350 How was it spent? I mean, will there be any repercussions on this? Will there be any wrist slapping on this? You would wonder, wouldn't you? Anyway, uh, how do you feel about those headlines? 1800-938-007. Now, the death of a young woman detained by morality police in Iran has sparked protests right across the globe. Masa Amini, who was 22 years old, was arrested in Tehran for wearing unsuitable attire and died in custody three days later. Now, Iran is one of two countries in the world that require women to cover their hair by law. The other is Saudi. So it again raises the question about what should be tolerated here and should burqas be banned from Ireland? Well, one man certainly thinks so and he made his views clear to a lady that he met over the weekend who was wearing a burqa. Philly joins me now. Good morning, Philly. Good morning, friend. And really good to talk to you today. Will you tell me about your experience over the weekend, Philly? Well, I was going in with the missus. She was collecting glasses in uh, the shopping centre in Kilkenny, the Market Cross. Yes. And as there's a stairs down to the lower area. And as we were going down the stairs, this young lady came up against me wearing a burqa, a black burqa. You know, you just late for a ride. Yes. And I, I stopped her and I said, excuse me, but I said, you don't need to wear that here in Ireland, I said, because we have a free society. And I said, I, I, and I'm particularly taken back by the fact that you're wearing it now because of the fact that uh, in Iran last week, a young lady was beaten to death by the Islamic police because she hadn't her uh, veil on properly or whatever. Mm. And I said, in Iran at the present time, there are riots every day in it, and in a lot of the Islamic countries as well, because they don't like this happening. They don't like to see a woman murdered just because her veil was on wrong or she didn't comply with Islamic uh, rules. And I said... uh, I'm surprised that you are seemingly going along with this. But she didn't say anything to me. She just brushed past me then and went up. Now, behind her was her husband with a little lad on his shoulders. Mm. And when she passed off, I said, uh, you know, I said to the man, I said, excuse me, I said, but uh, I noticed your wife is wearing a burqa. I said, why? do you want your wife to wear a bag on her head? I said to him, women like to show off their beauty for the little length of time they're here. And I said, there's a great industry going on in this country because of that. And I I said, I don't see why that you should expect her to wear a hide her face and be like that. I think it's demeaning. 
And what did he say well, to you? Well, he didn't say anything to me. Well, uh, I said then to him, you know, I said, you know, in Iran, I said to him, there'd been a terrible murder of a young woman because of that. And the whole world, I said to him, is up in arms against it. I said to him, religion is, I said to him, love your neighbour. But this isn't loving your neighbour. And I said, I don't agree with it at all. I'm surprised you leave your wife uh, wear a burqa here in this free society where we don't oblige it to be worn. So he, he more or less said, oh, yeah, yeah. And he more or less agreed with me and all the rest of it, and then he moved on. But I felt that at times we leave things go and we don't say anything. I know a lot of people even said to me, you're all right, and they didn't get a belt. Mm. Mm. And it's possible, but he didn't. He took it in the sense that I said it constructively to him. I wasn't abusive in the way I And do you think it. he understood the point you were making? He did, apparently, because he spoke English. Okay. He spoke to yeah. me. He said, he more or less agreed with me. But then that was the easiest thing to do. But I don't think... You see, it's all very fine, but Christ even always took the Jewish people or the Jewish authorities uh, up on the fact that a lot of traditional things that brought into religion were superior to the fact that all you wanted in life was to love your neighbour. And that is the essence of, uh, of, of religion. So there was just a lot of additional doesn't... stuff piled on top of that that was yeah, sort of secular, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, man, yeah. decided by man, I suppose. Yeah, well, of yeah. course, society oftentimes bring, brings in, in, in conditions on uh, religious orders. At times you saw it on the, uh, in the colonial area in, in, in Australia and mm. in Canada where the church went along with people, where they brought in these young... Uh, uh, Aborigine peoples mm. into school and taught them different things like that and they more or less took over with them and mm. the church went along with it and there are repercussions now because of it. But uh, sometimes the church does that in order to appeal to and uh, well satisfy government authorities and things like that all according to the situation. Yeah, it's you interesting. Know, could could I be devil's advocate with you for a moment Philly and, and just put it to you that Maybe the woman was quite happy to wear the burqa as part of well, her she tradition. She didn't uh, say that to me, even Did? though I asked her. Right. She didn't uh, come back and say to me she was happy with it. I don't know. But from the point of view that I see, I see women. Look, you look out in your garden. Mm. It's all sex. It's all reproduction. Mm. The flowers out there are beautiful when they're in season. Mm. They're lovely. And the smell of them to attract birds and bees and all the rest of them to be re-fertilized again so that everything can continue. Yeah. It's the same with, with the with the with, with the human as well. The ladies like to do themselves up to be attractive and all the rest of it. It's part of it's part of life's necessity. And then we move on when the when the body is run out we move on to the next time again and I'm looking forward to paradise. Well, Why not? And I wish you well where paradise is concerned, well, Philly. And none better to to uh, to experience it. But could I put it to you again, though? I mean, as you said yourself, there is freedom in this country, so the lady yes. doesn't have to wear that here no. unless it's their choice. Well, maybe so if it's their choice. But I think now, in view of the fact that that young lady was brutally murdered, mm. 
Now, from my point of view, that is a sin against any religion. And when I saw the headman in the, the president or whatever he is of Iran, mm-hmm. he was an ayatollah come out mm-hmm. and more or less threatened people because of that. And I thought that uh, Salman Rushdie's book, The Satanic Verses, was yes. coming true. I thought that the man took the place of Satan in that attitude he took to it. They had murdered a gatherer. Surely we can all protest against that. And they Just were the, the morality pol- police, yeah. Yes. Should that, we, that, should that we is, join... The whole world, it isn't alone myself. Sure. You sh- look around you. Should Even we join places that, like France and Denmark and Belgium then yes. and, and ban the burqa here? Yes. You, you, you don't even have to think be. about that. You say yes. I think it away. should be because even, like, there is no necessity for it. Why should a woman go around or just barely peering through a thing with a bag on her head, as I said to, to the man himself? Uh, I think it's totally and absolutely right. ridiculous. But they may be very devout people and they choose to do that. Pardon? They might be very devout people well, and, and it, choose no to problem. do that. There's yeah. no problem. Even when you look at the nuns in the Irish uh, uh, convents years ago, they wore the medieval dress that they yes. never went out of. Yeah. So just the medieval dress they dressed in. And that was more covering up than anything else, I suppose. But, but they wore that all the time. But they did charitable work. And uh, they, they were, uh, they were uh, celibate and they were serving the community. Mm-hmm. This lady is married to a man. And uh, she moves around every day. And I don't see why that we should tolerate this, because I expect that every woman uh, that I ever knew anyway was meant to show herself off and to accomplish her beauty in so many different, or accentuate her beauty in so many different ways by modern paints and powders and things like that. What, what, what What do you say to Rosemary, who says that you have some cheek to do what you did? Oh, well, possibly, yeah, but that's me. I have cheek. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, well, I do, yeah, well, uh, well, the way it is with this, I'm, I, I'm a mocker man, I come up to IFA and I always spoke to government as I felt, as you know yourself, because of this, uh, 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 well, this energy crisis that we're in because of this war and I said and always do that we should avail of whatever we have here and we had plenty turf and we could be burning it mm. and we, we're burning coal but the price of coal and, and, and why not have cheap electricity burn your turf is out there free so you, you, you're the kind of person, you, you say it as it is then, but I suppose what Rosemary's point is that here, here was a couple with their, with their child, um, minding their own business, I suppose, um, and, and this was possibly, a, you know, their choice. Well, maybe, but she didn't say that to me. Right, but does she have to answer to you, Philly, I suppose? You know, I mean, maybe well, she was... Uh, well, as I see it, they, they left their own country for whatever reason. Yeah. And they came into our country, which has our rules that are made by people. And uh, right, But our rules do not ban the burqa. And? Our rules do not ban that. We haven't introduced that. No, I, well, I would, I, well, I would think that, uh, I was disappointed with the young lady in so far as that, given what happened in Iran, mm. she should have, in disgust at the way her, 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 uh, uh, 
sex or, or lady uh, were treated mm. by that, by those that uh, she should have turned it off. Like as a protest. And be disgusted and make, and, and make a point of her disgust to the authorities by throwing it off. That was the way I looked at it, really, in that line. That right. uh, there are people out there now demonstrating every day. You see, you look at this morning again, the same thing. They're demonstrating against the injustice of this. Like a, an awful crime for authorities. Well, it's a, dread, a dreadful thing to happen to that uh, young lady, Massa uh, Amini. She was only 22. Stay, stay with me for a moment, Philly, because... Th- times. Uh, stay, stay with me for a moment, Philly, because Thomas is joining us. Thomas, good morning to you. Good morning, my high Um You disagree with uh, Philly? I do. I totally disagree. Uh, as far as I know, Ireland is a free country. Anyone that wants to wear the burqa, they can wear it. It's their religion. They practice it. Just like they're leading us to practice our religion by wearing our crosses and all that. So what's the problem? And and, and Philly is saying that uh, maybe that the lady in question should have uh, uh, got rid of her burqa by way of protest at what happened to uh, that young lady in Tehran. In all fairness, it is that what happened in Tehran and Really, it is. But in all fairness, if the woman wants to wear the burqa, she can wear it. Uh, it's not in protesting. She might be protesting in her own way, but it's her religion. It's totally up to them well, to wear it. Excuse me, depending on what religion is, and the same, Christ himself said that there was only one commandment love your neighbour. And there's not much love now in killing a young lady. And I think. Religion at that stage is not religion anymore. I think I think the satanic verses covers it much better than anything else. And we cannot abide by evil. And this young lady was killed. The whole okay. world is up in arms against her murder. Okay, and I think you. this young lady should have enough sense to show her displeasure at what was the treatment okay. for, to, do, to her. Just one sec, Philly. Just, just leave Thomas, get back in there again. Yes, Thomas. Philly, if you're going to go down the line of people being murdered about religion and all that. Go back to the time of the Troubles in the North. Yes. When on our own Irish soil that people were killed. We, yes. And was the world up in arms over? It wasn't. We found peace. So really, when you're coming into religion, our own country, our own doorstep, it's only a couple hundred miles up the road saying that people were killed because of their religion. Yes. Oh, I agree. Oh, so, why are you bringing, why are you bringing I suppose, well, we, we didn't finish the job at the time of the War of Independence and to left there because of a, a, a higher population there. But we left, left those people down here in the Republic. We left fighting on their own. We didn't help them that much, which I often think should have been. But then again, and we that's, were not a large country yeah. and we were fighting a whole empire. And that's a whole other yeah, discussion. And we just don't want now. to get too too sidetracked on, on other issues. Let me see. Maria yeah. Maria is joining us now. Maria, good, good morning to you. Good morning to you. And good, good to talk to you today, Maria. You've been listening to Philly. What, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are, number one, my daughter. My daughter converts to Islam and in relation to um, the hijabs and stuff like that. Mm. Number one, we should respect other people's faith. Mm. We should respect people who exercise their faith in Islam. While it's dreadful what happened to that individual over in Iran. But one thing I don't like is where we see our own domestic mainstream media, where they're absolutely pumping this, pumping this to the point of nearly 
um, anti-Islam, um, and yeah, we're 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 becoming incensed on a domestic level in relation to over uh, things that are happening in countries overseas. Right, but it's a twenty. It's a twenty-two-year-old girl who was arrested by my daughter. Is a twenty-two-year-old woman who converted to Islam. She wears her hijab. It's no more different than the Roman Catholic Church, and for many, many years, nobody batted an eyelid when we had women in this in this country wearing veils. The mantilla they had to wear years ago. Yeah, yeah, we would have worn mantillas. Mm. uh, Yes, and then we had the Roman Catholic Church and the religious doors of Ireland here. Then women themselves wearing veils. For many years, and when Vatican II came in, it was at their discretion if they wish to, if they wish to, um, mm. either wear if they, if they wear the wish to. What is the difference, by the way, Maria, between a hijab and a burqa? Well, the hijab is something that was just worn over the head. A burqa is um, at it's a full covering, is it? Except for the eyes. Um, it's, 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 well, it's literally just wearing it's wearing it from the eyes down. Okay. But I am. Well, it's a bag. It's a bag on her head. Ah, well, it's a, it's not. Actually, a... I can, you're 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 either get you're either get there as being massively yeah. disrespectful, respectful. To be a, is it a bag Ooh, on the on the? Is, I, is it a like bag on the Roman Catholic it. Church's nuns the veils? Is that would you go Would you go into a church there now, and if there was old elderly nuns oh, there with oh, their veils on their head, the would you then church, start calling them? Oh, you're the wearing a bag over your head. You're wearing a bag over your head. Philly, just just just. Ladies weren't allowed into mass into the church without a covering on their head. Yeah, yes, I yeah. Again, we still have well senior nuns in this country who are still living like and breathing who like Okay, okay just, 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 just one, one, one voice. Philly, Philly, just, just, Philly, Philly, just one. Yeah, Philly, just one second. The, the point that Marie is making there is with uh, one of the sisters of the nuns wearing a veil, would you describe that as a bag over their heads in the same disrespectful well, way? And the dress that the nuns had came from medieval times and they never changed. Right, but, 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 there are nuns right, who are still but, living and breathing here today who period. still wear their veils. I know plenty of them. So would you still be so disparaging in your remarks? Calling them a bag over the head. If you were well, to be in front of a few not answer the question, it's a very, it's a very simple yes or no answer. Would you be so disrespectful? Just one sec, Maria. Just leave, leave him answer that. So, will, Philly, what, what about that? Would you refer to other head uh, attire as being a bag over the head with other women or, or with sisters oh, or nuns well, or whatever? I see a bag over the head. She has that over her head and the whole way down, and she has slants for her eyes. That's right. a burqa. Right, and I don't see why she. But are you not being disrespectful? And this is this is Maria's point. Are you? Feast your face to scene, and it's very important nowadays, mm-hmm. particularly if you go into banks and different things that you're identifying. Oh, right. We're, le- we're not breaking times. about the right. over the head. Yes, Maria. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry. Just make yeah, that I, point again. Yeah. The the question is asked: Are you respectful to women in the Roman Catholic Church who wear veils? And whether somebody chooses to wear something added to that in the Islamic faith called a burqa, which is respectful for them in their faith, what mm. happened to you respecting other people's faith in relation to Islam? And Maria, what do you think about uh, Philly um, meeting these people and making his point to them both? What, how do you, you feel mean, about you mean, that? You mean, no, oh, you mean, you mean Philly meeting these people and being massively disrespectful? 
I don't think okay. I was massively... De- I well, what you sure think, sir, and what other people I, I say when they see your expressions time, of behaviour are probably two different very okay. things. Okay, okay. Let, let, let me just go back to, to, to mm-hmm. uh, Philly on that. Philly, what about that? Massively disrespectful to these people? Well, I think at the present time that these people will have to come up to the fact that that uh, this young lady was brutally murdered because she didn't have her headwear on right. I yes, think but, that is an abuse. But, but that had nothing to do with the, the couple. That had nothing to do with the couple. Whatever, stands up and defends Philly, that. Philly, we'll, we'll, that we'll, had we'll nothing... He is associated with that murder. Okay, but that, that, who is associated with the murder? Oh, right. But but the gentleman you met and his wife, they weren't associated with this. That's right. We'll bring it back home to Ireland here and who you met, as opposed to things that are happening in other countries that mainstream media like to be pumping and pumping and pumping. It's dreadful for what happened to that lady. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting away from that. Right. Mar- Maria, can I, can I just bring you something that's coming into us by text here, which is that p- people are wondering when we should, and they feel we should, uh, ban burqa in this country, as they've done in France and Denmark and Belgium. Yes. And, uh, Do you know what I find funny? Yes. It's you... the political parties in this country who speak all about democracy and they speak all about diversity. And then we've got the same government, Melty, speaking from both sides of their mouth. Where they're where they'll where they'll they'll speak about other things that are happening in other countries. You know, they speak from both sides of their mouth. They talk about diversity. They talk about um, how they're so inclusive of X, Y, and Z. But they're the same government who who will shake a fist at other countries for doing other things that they that they do themselves here. You know. So there's hypocrisy. Is that what you're saying to me? Well, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. All right. It is. How how did you? I, I'm careful about how I phrase this question to you, Maria, and I don't mean oh, no, it in the no, least no. bit uh, disrespectfully, but how yeah. did you take the news with your daughter making that decision to convert to Islam? Number one, um, I can be very impartial. Number two, the choices and decisions that an adult makes in their life, the fact that she is my daughter, is none of my business. Yes, so, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And she's married. Okay. Uh, I have a son-in-law who's half Ukrainian and his father's from Afghanistan. Yes. Right. He's exceptionally respectful to my daughter. Massively respectful. Don't believe all that you read. Don't believe... Yeah, don't be casting dispersions to your other guests but, but there. at the same time, in Afghanistan, this is going on too, where women are being banned from going to school right. and education right. Really and now, really now. Well, my niece over in the United Kingdom who has two children no, and their father is from Afghanistan. Okay, just, just one, one sec, Maria. Maria, Maria, just one, one, one sec. Philly, yeah, you were, saying, you were saying about Iran, yeah. Yes, Afghanistan. This is going on there all the time where, where girls are being denied education, are being treated as second class yeah. citizens, and the, the religion is causing this. Well, this is not religion. Well, yeah, religion Maria, Maria that's an interesting that's one. Since, the, since Okay, just, just one voice, guys, just one voice. Maria, Maria, since the Americans pulled out of Afghanistan, I mean, it seems to have reverted back to a, a state of misogyny again there. Yeah, where, since, since, yeah, since America abandoned Afghanistan, that's happened, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. Agree. Yeah. and all of the, and all of the, yeah, and the 20 years, yeah. But you can understand why, why people then might be concerned 
um, about the attitude towards women from certain aspects of... Uh, you have to remember, Islam. it's the government that's over there in Afghanistan and, and it's dictatorship that's happening in Afghanistan. Yeah, well, it's a, yeah but it's a religious well, dictatorship. Under Islam. So. No, it's the government that's happening over there in Afghanistan. Yes, Islam, but... Islam and, and governments that run countries. But they're running it under a religious banner and a religious fundamentalism. Yes. Yeah, you just said that word there. No more different yes. than we have Christian fundamentalism. We have Islamic oh, fundamentalism. Yes, yes I don't know, I'm not taking two, from that, two, but two I'm just making... Two yeah. big sections of society. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. It's very interesting indeed. And uh, thank you both for for coming on with us today. And uh, thank you to Philly. And uh, thank you to Maria there. Most interesting. And uh, thanks to Thomas, who was on with us earlier on as well. 1800 938 007. Mary's in Cashel today. And she's saying we were forced to, to wear masks during COVID. What's the difference there, says Mary? Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. The Imro Radio Award winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage. Garage puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel, or fully electric. Slatterysgarage.ie. Now, uh, Anne is in Clonmel. Anne says Afghanistan is ruled by the Taliban, Fran, not uh, Islam. Yeah, but the Taliban is, uh, I mean, it's, it's fundamentalist uh, Islamic and uh, militantly uh, Islamic indeed, and have flourished there since the Americans took their leave of uh, the country. Um, I think, Fran, the point that Philly is trying to make is that he thinks that the lady should remove her burqa in protest um, to the killing of the young woman. Uh, like we all put up uh, blue and gold flags in protest against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, I, I, but I suppose what some people would say to you is that that's the young woman's choice. You know, I mean, if she wants to make a statement or make a protest by uh, getting rid of her burqa or her hijab, that's that's fine, but that should be her choice, I suppose. Um, has he ever been to an, an Islamic country? He is, uh, and it goes on to, uh, yeah, uh, critique uh, Philly to say, well, you know, Philly has a right to come on here and make his own points, whether you agree or disagree, is, is up to yourself to decide upon. Um, somebody else saying, ban the burqa here, Fran. Um, McKay is on to say, typical, some men thinking that they can treat women that way. It wouldn't happen to men. Phil should mind his own business. Uh, somebody else saying Maria a woman was murdered by evil and if that's Islam they can keep it out of my uh, country somebody else saying I respect all religions but at least you can see a nun's face okay Uh, another listener if that woman wants to wear the burqa that's fine but if it's her husband or a man saying that she should it's completely different it should be her choice says Joan and it goes on and on and on now continuing on with that topic of the burqa and uh, whether or not Philly was correct to approach that young woman and her husband. Um, Fran is on the line with me now. Fran, good morning. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Fran. Good to talk to you today. Where do you stand on this issue? Well, I think everybody is entitled to their own opinion. I would see wearing the burqa or whatever else that has to cover a person from head to toe as being male domination. And only that. Mm. You know, and... 
there's a guy on there, the second guy that came on the phone there, he has said that these people practice their religion. Yes, everybody's entitled to practice their own religion. But, I mean, we have been banned from having our own angels on the television at 6 o'clock. It offends these people that come in from it. The hospitals that were run by nuns for years and years, they had a crib at Christmas. That is not allowed. It offends people of different religions. That's not one that's fair, friends. Like, if you go as an Irish person to Iran, Iraq, any of these places, you have to abide by their rules. And the argument there, Fran, is, I suppose, that we've become a much more uh, secular society and, you know, it's multi-ethnic at this stage. It's not just a single religion anymore. Um, yeah. And that we need to reflect all of that in our institutions. Does that yeah. does that argument yes, hold I, any water with you? Well, it would, but would that not be seen as worldwide? Should that not be allowed in every country in the world? Mm. And you, you're, you're, saying, you're saying to me that it's not in some countries, is that it? It's not in a lot of countries, yeah. Right. And, it and, really isn't. And are you annoyed about the fact that uh, the, the, the national TV station and a radio station have uh, moved the Angelus to something that's a bit more contemplative rather than prayerful, I suppose? I do, I do actually, yeah. I, I don't think it's fair. Yeah. Like, I mean, who orders it? Um, if it offends people, well, if there's something on TV or radio that we don't want to watch, then we turn it off. Mm. If it offends these people who were born and raised with this, and this part of our culture. And what do you, what do you think about Philly approaching the couple, particularly approaching the young woman and saying to her that it was inappropriate for her to wear the burqa, considering to what happened happened to the young girl in in Tehran. Well, I can understand why he did it, whether he had the right to do it or not. That's completely up to him. Mm. Uh, he's only seen it as a woman has been murdered because of something that she didn't do 100% to their liking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The only fear I'd have, and I know that Philly wouldn't have meant this, but the only fear I would have is that she might have been frightened by... Um, well, she could, have, she could have felt frightened and she could also have been intimidated by him. Yeah with no intent on him, you know, I know where he was coming from, but I mean, that person didn't know him, so she wouldn't know where he was coming from, and maybe she just didn't want to know. She seemed to, if she just went about her business and didn't do anything, didn't answer, and her husband was saying, they're quite happy with their situation. What about the notion of, like some countries, some of the ones I mentioned there, um, banning the burqa here in this country? How would you feel about that? 100%. Would you? Yeah. 100%, yes. And, you know, people's freedom of choice and all of that, that wouldn't... Well, if you think about it, Fran, as I said to you, if I go to, say, Iran, Iraq, Bahrain, anywhere, I will not be allowed to practice my religion there. And you would and have to for, and you would have to cover up. And I would have to cover up mm-hmm. against my wishes, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I went out to Bahrain in the morning to celebrate Christmas and I'd have brought some family members, it wouldn't be acceptable. But that would be part of my religion. So why can't it be seen as such and why would I not be allowed to practice it? So when they come to Ireland why not forget about the burqa? What difference does it make to them? Mm-hmm. Why do they need to be covered from head to toe 
when it is only all male domination, can they go back in time where their God said, you've got to be covered? Why aren't the men covered? Funnily enough, though, Fran, I think that the people who would be most offended, for example, by the Angelus or by... Uh, maybe crucifixes or statues in her husband right. would be would be Irish people would be you know Irish people who think that we're a secular country now and that you know we've left this behind us. I don't think so, Fran. I don't think. Do you not have. think so? Oh, well, oh no, I, I know I that. Think, but yes. do you take my point that oh, I, I, I do? I yeah. take your point. Yes, yeah, definitely. But yeah. I mean, why why are we not about that? Why do they say? that the crib for Christmas is taken out of hospitals because it offends. Mm. Like, why does it offend? Is it offending Irish people? Well, possibly I, so. We'd love to hear from our listeners on that. I mean, well, people, maybe, maybe yeah. somebody else might come on and give their view about it. Yeah. But oh, I we, don't think it should be done away with. It's part of our religion. All right. Well, Fran, you know. really good to talk to you today and lovely and to have you your too, opinion. Fran. Thanks, Fran. Look okay. after yourself. Bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye. 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 Uh, we'll take a break and we'll be back with another listener in just a moment. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. We spoke yesterday to a number of callers about the decision to stop the manufacture of many products here in Ireland, such as sugar and, of course, the cutting of turf, even though we are now importing many of these products. Well, Liam and Noel gave their views on it, and William joins me now. William, good morning to you. Morning, friend. Good to talk to you today, William. Um, how do you How do you feel about this? It is absolutely ludicrous that going back to the 70s, Ireland had a very good beet industry here in the country. We had four beet factories, then it was reduced to two, and then one, and then zero. Um, you know, anything that's done in Ireland is always done very well. Like the beet was a very good product. It's the same with the, the peat. And we just take it out, and we, in, we import it from Germany or wherever they import it for, and it might not be of the same quality. And uh, now we're looking at a situation where, you know, I mean, maybe it was the wrong thing to do. Well, there's no doubt about it. It was the wrong thing to do. And if we go back and look at it, it was, you know, our own Nina, Nina Mann, who was Minister of Agriculture, who closed the factory in Turles. So, you know, if we don't protect ourselves, you know, what, what can we do? Yeah, uh, and of course the EU were involved in that, if memory serves me correct, uh, as well, um, that uh, there was that cap the EU sugar regime that was uh, introduced there and sugar production was uh, reduced and all of that. So it made it uh, not all that profitable anymore to produce sugar here. I, it's, see, we don't know. The, the people that are doing the, the, the maths on it are, are, are and the same as the people doing the science. You know, they're giving you the figures, but you know, are they protecting their own country? Because mm. if we look at it is that where was the sugar cane brought from? Uh, if it's not profitable to do it in Ireland, how is any other country able to do it? Yeah, well, it was brought from, from countries who were very poor countries, is my understanding of it, and I think that's a, that was imported into the EU. Yeah, but well, the, 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 like, the cost of, Im, of importing that across all the seas, and we cannot produce it cheaper than that, it, it, it beggars a question. 
And for example, where the peat is concerned, then now there's all sorts of other aspects to that, such as climate change and, and uh, the like. But again, the irony is that we're still importing peat from Germany this time. Yeah, and, and you know, you're talking about climate change, but how much emissions are being used to bring that, I think that's from Germany, if, if I'm if, yeah, if I'm yeah. right, the briquettes are mm. coming from there. How much coming across the, the sea with, with a big cargo of, of a ship coming with all the with the with the briquettes on it? How much emissions has been used putting that out, uh, bring that across the sea over Ireland and all the other countries that are using peak briquettes? So the oh. bigger the bigger picture you're saying to me is that we're not we're not doing anything really about climate change with with these well, decisions. Well, they can in, in Ireland we have to stop peace. We have to we're stopping fossil fuels and we're stopping all the, the fuels for burning fires um, in, in our houses. But still we can bring in briquettes and bring them across so, uh, on a cargo ship across the sea and how much oil is being used to, to bring that ship across and how much emissions are to thrown out. So as far as I'm concerned with the people with, with climate change, um, it's, 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 it's what, whatever suits themselves because that is completely off the wall. Right, but do you accept there is a huge global issue there on climate change? Look, there's a global issue with climate change, but I think, as I said to you before, friend, the world is evolving. Like, the ice age melted years ago, and how many, many animals were in the world? Very, very little. So we're, we, you know, we're, we're in a time where the world is moving around. Um, and and as, as an old man said in my own parish, he said, you're going to go back and see, he says, and, and maybe whoever's around to live in 40 years' time, the, 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 the world will be evolving again, and he'll go back... People were saying back years ago that they had real warm summers, but they had frostier winters. Mm. Now, we haven't got them for a few years, but that could come back again. Mm. Well, yeah, we certainly the, the winters I remember in, in, in the 1980s, William, were, were just so frosty. I remember the roads, too, because I did a lot of travelling in those years. And, you know, I mean, it was very different back then. The winters were much colder. Yeah, you look back to October... Uh, Early October, you could you could have white frost on on, on the feet. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember that, and I was only very young at the yeah. time. But you know, then we went through a stage where we got none, no frost. Then we got the real minus seventeen that hadn't been seen for a long time. So that was completely going again the radar of what they're telling us is going to happen. Mm. So you know, the world, you know, everything is 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 changing. Is it changing for the better? Well, I don't know, but just to put climate change into perspective in Ireland. The population of Ireland is not is, is not as big as the population of Manchester in England. So, so what, what are you saying England, to me? Is that anything we do here would be a drop in the ocean, is that it? Correct. Mm. You know, is is Manchester being being as, as good to the climate as what the what the Irish want to be? Now I know people say it's right, you look after your own patch. Mm. But we're so small in this world that we're making probably the most drastic changes and we'll have the smallest of fractions of difference to make to society. Right, but morally we have to do our part and even if we put that aside as part of the EU, we have certain obligations there as well. But if, we're, if you take the other side, we're actually talking a second about but the, the, the peat being brought, brought across from Germany. Yes. And we're doing everything to protect ourselves. Mm. They're still producing the peat over in Germany. So are they doing the same with emissions as what we're doing? Look, I, I agree with you. There's an awful lot of hypocrisy going on. I mean, eventually the, all that beef will be imported into the EU from, from is it um, Argentina and, and uh, the like as well at very low cost. So, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy going on. I agree with you completely on yeah. that. But it 
doesn't mean surely that we we can just throw our hands up and say, look, sure, we won't bother uh, arse on this. You know, uh, yeah, you, you needn't, you needn't, um, you needn't throw your, your hat up in the air. You can do your bit, but do we have to go to the extremes that we're going at? I don't think we do. We are we're going to the extremes of what we're doing now, but we haven't the structures put in place to cover it. Um, they're looking for to lower emissions, uh, even for electricity. Mm. Have they given the opportunity to even put up the solar farms? We have stopped a, a wind turbine out in the sea. Mm. You know, we're, we're, we want all, everything seems to be coming from, we cut down the cars, we want electric cars, we want the farming to cut down 25% emissions. Everything is cut down, but we haven't the structures put in place for, for to, to help the emissions, for people to, to adapt to them and to use them. So, and, and that is a huge, days. that is a huge issue, isn't it? That people can't see a vision and a plan and a just transition. No, no, that is the problem. And, and I think if that was in place, or we put that in place, with smaller restrictions at the start, that in four or five years' time, a lot of those things can be in place. And then I think people will adapt a lot easier because they said, OK, the structures are in place, now we can move forward. But we can't move forward when we're being, like, will, will people have enough to keep their houses warm for, for this winter? Might not. And, that's, you know, and, and that, that's going to be a huge issue, isn't it? Yeah. And this is the this is the major figure that I have. It is the same with the beef when it was when it was stopped in Ireland. It's been produced in 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 other countries to bring over. It was another another product that was being used in Ireland. And there's a lot more products besides sugar in it. You have you had the beet pulp that was being used yeah. in agriculture. You had the beet tops going back into the into the land, which makes the land very fertile. So there was a lot of there's a lot of substances coming from not alone the, the sugar being produced in the in, in Ireland, but we, we turn away another industry out of this country. All right. Well, great to talk to you, William, and thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Good good morning to you. That's William with his uh, opinion, 1800-938-007. As Sabina Higgins has called on the HSE to let new mothers spend a longer time in hospital learning how to breastfeed rather than being thrown out after giving uh, birth. Well, uh, Chloe is with me now. Good morning to you, Chloe. Morning, friend. And thanks so much for coming on with me this morning. Will you tell the listeners your story, Chloe? So, um, I suppose uh, I wasn't thrown out of hospital anyway. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, more, you more or less want to leave, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's kind of different. Um, when I saw that post and a lot of women come to the same thing, oh God, don't don't keep me any longer, throw me out. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you don't really, um, now I must say, first of all, the midwives up there are absolutely fantastic Um they do such a great job and the hours that they work are absolutely incredible and they're just, there are women up there that are so good at their job and they're very supportive even though they're bouncing around about a million jobs running around the place after everyone. But um, I did feel like after the C-section that I didn't really have the support that I needed in the midwife that was assigned to me. Um, I felt like she was a lot nicer to her other patients. Um, I didn't feel quite comfortable there. I wasn't getting any sleep because uh, obviously I just had major surgery. I was course, on yeah. um, I was on the uh, morphine medication and stuff, uh, so I was very drowsy. But I was also starting off my breastfeeding journey. Now I was extremely lucky that my baby latched from the second she was put on my chest after the C-section. Um, so I, I think some women that I've spoken to anyway don't have that luck. You know, sometimes they come out of the C-section and they're put to sleep for the C-section. So they don't actually have the ability to start off um, feeding their baby straight away. 
And, and that's very important at that point, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've, yeah. I've, so I've been told anyway, it's very yeah. important. Obviously, I have no other experience than my own to, to relate to. Right, but, but, but you, um, you went home three days after a C-section, for God's sake. I did, yeah. <laughs> um, they, they asked me, my doctor, my main doctor did ask me to stay an extra day yeah. um, just to be monitored. But I was so exhausted. And I was in the hospital, you see, for two weeks prior to my C-section right. because I was a high-risk pregnancy. Um, and I was, uh, I still had 10 days left uh, before my due date. Yes. But I had some complications and basically more or less they said, look, um, it's probably best if we just, you know, schedule the C-section for the Monday. And by Monday, like I already wasn't sleeping because I was so stressed out, you know, you're so worried that oh, something I'm was sure. going wrong because yeah. the doctors are coming to see you every day and you're like, oh God, what's going to happen? And yeah, you're you're just rattled. And and <laughs> but, tell um, me, Chloe, were you able to continue with breastfeeding? I was, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, in the first couple of hours um, that the baby is born, skin to skin contact is very very important. Yes. So it releases the oxytocin, which um, causes the letdown reflex. Um, so that allows the milk to flow, and basically the the baby suckling is what actually and the skin-to-skin contact and stuff, is what stimulates your milk production. So in order for that to happen, obviously, the more you feed, the more milk is going to come in. So in the first three days, your baby's stomach is like the size of a pea. So the colostrum that you get in the last weeks of pregnancy actually is okay for your baby. That's, that's all your baby actually needs because it's so fatty and filled with protein and nutrients and everything your baby needs, basically, in the first few days of life. So in the first three days, it takes about um, one to three days from research um, for your milk to come in. Yes. Now, obviously, this is different. For some women actually get their milk in the end of their pregnancy. Mm. Um, it obviously varies per person, but generally, that's what I've been told and what I've read. Um, so, you're in the first couple of days, it's all just about establishing breastfeeding. And if you've got, say, in the hospital I was in, I won't name it, mm. but... Um, I had multiple different midwives. Now, I had midwives that were very pro-breastfeeding uh, and were, oh, well done, Pet, you want to breastfeed, excellent. And I came out with a C-section and the midwife that was in the, the surgery with me, oh, Jesus, you know, she came out with the womb, ready to go. And well, well done you for doing it. And, you know, she was delighted that mm. the baby latched. And, no, you're good to go, you know, you'll have no problems. And, you know, she, she really, I suppose, made me confident. She was obviously... a uh, a vet. She was there a year. She was telling me during the surgery, mm. she's not even supposed to be there. She's supposed to be retired. Um, absolutely fantastic woman. Like, and she was just so you know. She put the baby straight on me, and just to it. I suppose like being on a farm. <laughs> this yeah, is what yeah. to do, and she just did it. And um, if I had any questions while I was being taken out of the surgery, she just filled me in on everything. And there was other midwives then throughout um, when I was coming around from the surgery that would pop in and just um, kind of I suppose pop, pop the head in and make sure that the baby was still staying latched on that I was being safe while I was holding the baby that she wouldn't fall out of my arms or anything because I was so drowsy and that was a great support system but the problem was that it was so many different midwives you'd have them supportive midwives but they were gone off to whoever they were assigned to so you only had the one midwife then for the night. Of course, and you're different styles. Can I just hold on to you? Because I'd love to hear yeah. more of your story, Chloe, and we're, we're edging towards uh, news. So can I can we hang on to you and I'll talk to you again after news. Will that be yeah, okay? No problem. All right, yeah. thank you for that. News is on the way. 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Pat, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp, 083 Don't forget, if you'd like your tarot card uh, read uh, live on air, do make contact with us, 083 and we'll do that uh, towards the end of the programme. Now, just before the break, uh, we were listening to Chloe tell us her story about her, her C-section. She... Um, allowed herself to go home after uh, three days breastfeeding her baby and uh, when we spoke to her last she was telling us about uh, the various midwives. Uh, good morning to you again Chloe. Good morning friend. And thank you so much for waiting for us there but it's just your story is so interesting uh, we we had to hold on to you. Um, so tell me the midwives were popping in there were different midwives different styles of nursing I suppose going on as well. Yeah so um, I suppose I, I would have found it, I definitely would have found it um, more beneficial if when I first went in, um, or say, right, fair enough, for the first couple of weeks that I was in the hospital, um, it was just, you know, checkups, you know, your blood pressure and all that. Um, so you don't really mind that you have a load of different midwives, a load of different nurses popping mm. in and out. Mm. But once the baby had arrived, I would have preferred and found it more beneficial if one midwife had been assigned to me and just had that one midwife. Right, now, and she would have known your details then intimately yeah, so, and all of that, yeah. So it would have been nice, you know, like when she came in, they, they come in, they, they greet you and they say, hi, I'm I'm going to be taking care of you and stuff mm, like that. Yeah. Um, but when I didn't really, I suppose, click with that midwife, um, she preferred, she kept pushing formula. Mm. Um, your baby's starving, your baby's starving, you know, every time she cried, your baby's starving, your baby's starving. And I'd, I'd say, you know, I just need you to lift her from the crib into my arms. Um, and she'd do that then and just leave. But she kind of would leave in, in a huff. And, you know, she was treating me basically like I wasn't taking her advice and I wasn't listening to her. But I was trying to tell her, I, I'm respecting your experience and stuff, but this is what I want with my baby. I want to mm. establish breastfeeding. So you and were very positive about that, Chloe. You wanted to breastfeed. Yeah, because we've been trying to get pregnant for a number of years and so I've been doing research about like everything <laughs> to do with the pregnancy and to do with the first couple of days of the newborn. Um, so I suppose I had a plan for how I was going to establish breastfeeding and I went into it prepared for challenges that maybe she won't latch, maybe mm-hmm. um, it's going to be very painful, maybe it's, I'm going to have all these troubles. And I was prepared for all that um, because... I suppose I've got a lot of experience with being in hospital and I know that there isn't always that support that you need in the hospital. Um, Say if you have a certain amount of questions, I feel like it's very outdated in our hospitals, that there isn't, um, I suppose, the information you can get online, you can't really get the exact same But But you had done done all of your homework, obviously, and you... you, Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I was very, um, uh, I suppose, positive towards like, this is how I want things to go. Um, I didn't get the natural birth that I was hoping for. Um, that went out the window. Mm. <laughs> but I was absolutely dead set that I was going to give it my absolute all to breastfeed. And of course, even in doing that, it might not have worked out. You know, it's uh, it's not always going yes. to go your way. Like like the natural birth, I had everything planned to a T and I did everything right, say. But that doesn't mean that it happened. Of course, <laughs> so it's of course. The same, it it's yeah. the same with the breastfeeding. A woman can try, there was a girl that was in the bed next to me and she breastfed all of her children. She had three children, or sorry, two children already. And uh, her third child, she was breastfeeding for the first couple of days and she just... I know it, it just wasn't working out and she changed and that's perfectly fine mm. too you mm. know because the formula is mm. perfectly fine as well right but and if it didn't work out for you you would have moved on to formula and oh yeah definitely yeah. yeah yeah of course um, um, when you got home what happened then um, I'll just say that just within them first couple of days that were absolutely vital to establishing breastfeeding I did not have the support for my choice of breastfeeding um, and I think um, from speaking to all the girls that were in the hospital at the same time as me and just had their babies as well, they they were also pushed to formula feed because it was told to be easier. And, oh, yeah, just do this. And I don't think in any way that formula feeding is easier. Um, and I feel like breastfeeding and formula feeding both have their own challenges. And that the midwives and nurses that were caring for us at the time, they just didn't have the information they needed to help breastfeeding mothers as well as they possibly could have. They had information, they had their own personal experiences and stuff, but they didn't have, I suppose, the training in how to really make it happen if you were dead set on it. So if it wasn't working out yeah. for you in the first three days or the first day, um, girls that were sitting next to me and they were trying to breastfeed, when they came to a challenge, the nurses were just like, here, give them a bottle because the baby's starving. They were just basically making you feel, and they made me feel, that oh your baby is so hungry like your baby is starving your baby is starving let us give him a bottle let us give you a break and now it's great that they care about you so much they want you to rest but it is vital in the first couple of days that you establish breastfeeding so is that how you were so strong so personally strong that you you know it, it took a lot to, to persevere all right um yeah. when the exhaustion hit um on the second night um i like I obviously you're so exhausted you keep passing out with the baby in the bed and then beds are very high up and you just have the barrier yes, holding you yeah. with into the bed um, the cribs are also a completely different story I have a next to me crib that has like a, a side that drops mm. next to the bed um, it's a co-sleeper so I found them very beneficial for um, for breastfeeding because you can just scoop the baby up while you're half asleep and um, put her to your body and she can feed away because once they've established a latch um, they're very good at finding it like right so, of course and uh, so tell me you you got home then you were breastfeeding at that point but I presume you were still recovering after the c-section yeah so you're you're not able to lift the baby as well as you could because you can't yeah. sit up and stuff um, but I really think it was in those first three days of the hospital um, they're the most difficult because of the fact that the crib is far away from you, you can't sit up, your legs are still dead, <laughs> you can't sit up because of the C-section, you can't lift your baby, you um, are very reliant on someone else coming in and lifting your baby onto you. And when your baby is feeding, it's 
cluster feeding where they're constantly stuck to you because they're trying to induce a milk supply. Um, it's just impossible because you have no one... Really, you kind of need someone in them three days that's basically sitting next to you. You know, like when my partner was there from um, the early hours, it was so much easier for me because he'd just pick up the baby and hand her to me. Sure. But yeah. relying on the midwives now... I don't think it's their fault. I think they're overworked and they had they had too many of their own patients yeah. to be running around after. So obviously they can't give the time to everyone. And so, some people asking the question, Chloe, um, were you a public patient? I wasn't. No, I was. Or sorry, yeah, I was. You I was were a public, public patient. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. Do you think do you think it would have been a much different experience if you were a private patient? If I was private, I'm sure it would have been. Um, I can't. I don't know because I don't even know anyone who is private. Okay. But yeah. um, I think what you need is that one-on-one and I did plan during my pregnancy to have it up in Dublin because I wanted to have a, a water birth and even when we found out I was high risk and that wasn't possible um, they did because I was speaking to them um, in Dublin I had a consultation and they did tell me that it sounds like I need a one-on-one experience yes. um, that I would prefer it to be a very intimate you know um, experience and the price <laughs> Like I, I I looked it up and there's a, a midwifery in Cork um that are absolutely fantastic and I was speaking to them as well and I went through the process of doing it and it just financially it just didn't make sense. Can, can you give us a clue how, how much money are we talking about? A couple of hundred euro. <laughs> like we're talking like eight hundred, nine hundred euro and that's just for very basic stuff like um you're you're gonna have to pay for the room then as well, um, for however long that you stay and oh god it was just so it would be thousands I suppose and, uh, yeah it was, it was yeah. going into the thousands yeah definitely. so so tell me how is mom and baby now fantastic excellent yeah <laughs> um, we, I'm still breastfeeding she's yeah. five months as of yesterday <clears throat> um, but it does have its challenges <clears throat> still of course yes and um, <clears throat> now that we'll be going into the weaning stage now next month um, I've been searching I suppose over the last five months for any breastfeeding support groups now, I know Tipperary, especially North Tipperary, is covered by Quidu, but I've been in touch with everybody and there just doesn't seem to be any um, support groups or um, mm. there's a lot of community um, in Clamell, all right. But, well, I remember um, years ago, La Leche League was one of the um, organisations. Is that still valid? Right. Is that still... Are they still I haven't there? come across that now yeah. in my search. Yeah. No, I haven't. Um, I've been just kind of putting the word out. I've been doing loads of research online. Yeah. I haven't actually gotten in touch now with the community mothers yet. I'm sure they have a lot more information that I haven't found yet. I'm um, sure so they I'm will indeed. And finally, Chloe, a bit of a bit of advice. I'm just thinking there may be, maybe uh, um, new mothers listening to us out there or maybe women who are pregnant and uh, looking yeah. forward to their baby. What what advice do you give them? Perseverance. <laughs> yeah. I think having, having a baby is like um, uh, an endurance test because it's sleep deprivation, it's starvation, thirst, um, because all of your energy and all of your um, nutrients, everything is going into this little tiny human that you just created. And you're exhausted from making that person as well. Um, And especially then for hours of labour, you're going to be absolutely wrecked. Your body's going to be healing. If you have a C-section, you just went through major surgery. Um, And just don't be hard on yourself. You know, if you fall asleep with the baby in your arms, you're going to wake up panicking because, you know, um, the risk of SIDS and, you know, maybe you might drop your baby. But it is such um, 
an in-depth biological uh, instinct, I I skill, skill and instinct. Yes. Um, yeah. It's something when when you're thinking about it, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe she fell asleep with her baby in her arms. And when I was pregnant, I swore to myself that that was never going to happen. But now that I have a baby, <laughs> the amount of times you just fall asleep with them in your arms, the only thing that you can do is not be hard on yourself. Make sure that you get your baby onto a flat surface away from anything that, you know, um, a suffocation hazard like all your pillows and blankets that there's a clear space in the bed next to you and maybe have a co-sleeper. Um, I found that absolutely essential for my breastfeeding journey so that when you are falling asleep, if the baby is going to sleep before you are, put the baby back into the crib so that it's nice and safe and you can move around in your bed. And the second thing I would say then is just keep keep feeding. Just keep doing it. If um, you're having pains and it's very uncomfortable for you, um, your own milk is fantastic at healing, um, brilliant healing properties. And uh, you can get creams and stuff that help and you can get nipple shields. And there, there is a lot of things out there. If I know you're exhausted and it's so hard and you feel like, oh my God, it's an uphill battle. And everybody in your life is saying just bottle feed. Nobody's saying keep doing this. Nobody's telling you this is what's best for your child. You're doing really well. Keep going, mama. No one says that. <laughs> like very few people, especially healthcare yeah. providers, are just like, hey, look, you've done great. Give her a bottle. <laughs> yeah. you know? You've or, given it a shot, but move on. Given it a, good, a good try. You know, well done for trying. Give her a bottle. And I feel like that that's not right. So the in- best encourage the mum is what you're saying. Yeah, encourage yourself. Find the strength in yourself to keep going because you will con- you will constantly um, hit these parts of your breastfeeding oh. journey. I have myself even recently where I felt like, oh, my society is it's dwindling and I think I'm coming to the end of it. It's so difficult. She's going through sleep progression. I'm not getting any sleep. Um, she's constantly feeding because she's trying to get my supply back up and it's so exhausting. But there are ways around it. You can express and have someone else give her a bottle so you yeah. can take a nap. Um, there is other ways around it. If you don't have that support system or that family and friends, um, falling asleep with her next to you um, with the clear, you know, the firm mattress, the clear area so that, you know, there's no suffocation hazard and her wrapped in your arms, she can continue feeding throughout the night. It's called um, a breastfeeding vacation um, is what people seem to be re- referring to it yes. as, where you just spend a couple of days just in bed with your baby and that skin-to-skin contact contact, and that constant feeding brings back your milk supply. And it's also, it releases endorphins in you as well. So Isn't even incredible? like a day or two in bed with your baby, just breastfeeding, if you feel like, oh my God, things are going really badly and I, I feel like I need to give up, I need to give her a bottle. But you still do really, you know, you'd grieve that experience. I think give yourself a break, have somebody else do the washing and stuff Stay in bed for maybe one day, two days, three days, and just have that breastfeeding vacation, just you and your baby, and it does. It really gets you right. back on track. Well, I must leave it there, Chloe, but what an insight. What an insight you've given us. And thank you so much, and I'm delighted you and baby very healthy and doing extremely well. Thank you for that, Chloe. Um, and if anybody um, needs any support in the Tipperary area, in South Tipperary, uh, North Tipperary um, or South Tipperary, Quidu or Grace, look them up on Google. And I've also set up a Facebook group um, to support mothers in the Clamell and Care area um, or anywhere in South Tipperary. If, if you're like me and you're unable to get to the meetings that are being held by Credo and stuff and other breastfeeding support networks, um, just give us contact on Facebook. I've called it uh, South Tipperary Mothers and 
you'll find us on Facebook and I'm just basically meeting up oh, with no. other mothers that are in the area in Clam Island Care oh, and right. often support. We, we wish you well, Chloe, and thank you so much for your time this morning. Good morning to you. We'll take a break. Back with more. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie The best of... Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. You know, we often hear on the show about the obstacles that are there for people trying to access services that they should be easily entitled to. Well, another Chloe may contact with the show for some help after coming up against a brick wall while trying to claim a disability allowance and she joins me now. Chloe, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed, but more importantly, how are you? Because you've been through the, through the wars, Chloe. You you were a young mum with a job you loved in childcare, uh, pregnant with your second child, and then, boy, did life change for you. Will you tell us your story, Chloe? Yeah, of course. Um, so my first baby was nine months old and we just found out that we were pregnant again. So I was about seven weeks pregnant and I suffered. I started suffering really bad with headaches. So I just brushed it off to stress and to you know all that. And then come the following Wednesday, then a week later, um, it got very bad. Um, I was on my way into Dunn's into Turner Shopping Centre and I got very blurred vision. I couldn't really walk. I was having to hold on around the walls. Um, and then when I got into Specsavers, because they said we'd get my eyes tested just to rule that out. And when I got in, I couldn't talk properly. They couldn't understand me. I knew what I was saying, but <clears throat> the girls inside hadn't a clue. I was just talking gibberish. So they kind of all started to panic. My mum eventually came in um, and the optician said, look, you need to take her straight to hospital straight away. So we, my mum dropped me down to my partner and he brought me straight to the regional. And luckily he did. He got me there so quickly and safely that they were able to start the process straight away. They brought me into the, um, the acute A&E, um, got me on started loads of tests. Um, sent me for x-rays, CTs. The CT showed that there was staining in my brain. Um, so they sent me for an MRI, which showed that I had suffered a cerebral venous thrombosis with a left temporal hemorrhage, So, which means I had suffered a blood clot, which then bled, um, so causing me to have a stroke. And how long into your pregnancy were you at this point? <clears throat> Only seven weeks. It was very very rare um, and uncommon. It was due to the pregnancy and the hormones that it changed the thickness of my blood. Um, so, yeah. And how long then were you, you laid up with this? Um, well, I was in hospital for the week. They immediately started me on blood thinners blood thinner through a drip um, and started the process then of going through different physio and then speech and language, occupational, um, psychology. They all met with me and like that. Every doctor and nurse Specialists that I came across were lovely. They were, you know, very good to explain everything to me. Um, but that I was in there for a week, and then it was just I couldn't sleep, and I needed the rest to improve. So they allowed me to go home, and like that, I thought I was getting, you know, I was 
doing strong. I came home, I had to take the injections then myself um, every day up until I had um, my son um, and eight weeks after. Um, and like that, I was in every week with the maternity. If I wasn't in the maternity, I was at my GP or the regional with hematologists or neurologists. They monitored me very closely and monitored everything. Now, I had speech and language therapy when I first came out, but I wasn't in the head frame because there was so much going on. I was still in, still having headaches and I wasn't sleeping properly. So they done me, they done, we done speech and language just to kind of get me over it. And like that, I thought a lot of it, it's kind of hard to distinguish if, it's, if it was pregnancy or if it was stroke related. Mm. Um, so we kind of just done as much as we could through the pregnancy, you know, trying to do my reading and things like that. Because it was mostly cognitively I was affected, I thought at first. So trying to read things like read long documents, like all these documents I'm getting now from sure. the social welfare, mm. is next to impossible. Um, even my writing, trying to write a proper sentence that has good English. Um, thinking of word finding, like I get stuck for words, or my memory was very badly affected. Like there's parts now of my childhood or even over the last couple of years that are blank or even the last couple of weeks that to me they're non-existent. So that was affected. Um, so we thought it was mostly just like that cognitively. Mm. And then up a few months ago then back in January I said oh I wanted to go back. My oldest um, she wanted to read some stories. So we started reading and I just noticed then that my reading compared to what it was so bad, I felt like I was back in primary school again. So you're still um, badly affected by this, obviously. Yeah, like I suppose before I was kind of in mammy mode, I was in fighter mm, mode, yes. I kind of just had to get on with it, I didn't have a chance to really look up myself um, do you know, I had a new baby our oldest was only one, do you know she was only barely walking, there was so much going on, I didn't get a chance to really notice anything, um, and then as she, got, they both got older and a bit more kind of independence. Um, I like that. I started to notice that the reading still wasn't. It wasn't great. Like it was shocking. Because before with the kids in the crash, like I'd be able to sit and barely even look at the story, and I could ramble it off. And you know, different voices. Where now, like I'm, it's like I'm reading word by word, and nearly having to stop and read the words to figure out what it is before I even say it. Right. So there's still an effect there, cognitive oh, there uh, is. Uh, effect. Yeah. So tell me about benefits there. Were you on an illness benefit at this point? Then? Yeah. So with, with what happened was obviously I was on maternity leave after having my first child and yes. then obviously COVID hit in then because um, she's only two. Mm-hmm. So COVID hit in then. So there was no, there was no work. I wasn't going back like to to um, childcare, yes. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. at that they were all closed. Yes, of course. So then when we were due to go back, I was due to go back, um, I had a stroke. So obviously I was in no fit state to go working and so they put me on Ill- illness benefit up until I had Robbie. And then he when he was born then they put me back on my maternity leave for the six months. And then after the six months like I still wasn't like you know, I still wasn't ready to go yes. back. Um, so they advised me to go back on the illness. And that was all fine. And then come May this year then, they just stopped it. I went to my account that that week and there was nothing in it. So you got um, you got no 
notice of this stuff. No notice, no nothing, nothing to say that it was going to be stopped or even why it was going to be stopped or nothing. So I rang to say, do you know, is everything okay? Do you know, because I went online and checked my, my gov and there was nothing, there was no explanation there. Mm. So I rang and they said, oh yeah, no, you've ran out of PRSIs, um, so you're not entitled to it anymore. Um, so if you want uh, your next step would be to apply for disability allowance. Now what about that because I know from previous experience on the programme that to qualify for a disability allowance I mean it really is extremely difficult um, was that your experience? Oh yeah like it to me it didn't seem as if they were too bothered about the medical side of it like I sent I sent as much information as I could from my GP she was great she sent me all the hospital notes all of her notes all my list of medication a letter from her and they not once asked me about it. They were all mostly interested in ba- about all you know bank accounts, bank statements, my partner's pay slips. Um, they would send me letters saying, "Oh, explain where this money is coming from and why you're paying this and who sent you this and why is this money in here." Um, and only now, when they made and I throughout the process, I asked. I said because in that time I had started um, occupational therapy, speech therapy, physiotherapy with um, uh, here in Turles and also in the community neurological team in Limerick. And I asked, I sent a letter saying, do you need more information from my different therapists? I can send them to you, um, you know, as well as all the other stuff. And not once did they say, yeah, we need, we'll take the letters from your therapist and stuff. It was just all, just no, they wanted all the bank statements. And all this correspondence, was this by phone or was it by email? No, just by letter. By letter. Okay. Yeah. And Just and did you, did you make an attempt to get to speak to somebody one to one or was that impossible? Yeah, like that. I rang, I always rang. I rang like yeah. that you're only put through to the communications team, as they say. And like that they can only give you what's in front of them and you can only ask them. But well, they don't actually know a hell of a lot because you're not yes. you don't get in contact with the deciding officer. Um so you're just basically speaking to someone that just has your file in front of them. Right, but but not a decision maker as such. Is that no, what you're saying to me? No, um, I'm 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 very aware of your privacy as well. But you, your partner's salary is modest, shall we say? It's, oh, a, it's, it's a modest salary, isn't it? It's it's very low because he has to, he has he is a qualified mechanic, but he had to give that up, and he actually works um, delivering milk, so that he's only gone for a few hours in the morning. So we're asleep, and I'm asleep. So he's only gone for three or four hours in the morning because. It's very hard to be left alone with the kids being so demanding. And I also am suffering with uh, cognitive and physical fatigue. So I'm always tired. So I have to take rest during the day. And if the kids are full of energy and full of beans, it doesn't mean that I am. So I might be absolutely shattered and I need to go and lie down. Otherwise, I'm no good to them, Like, which isn't fair on them. And you're on meds for depression and for anxiety yeah. as well, Chloe. And I'm yeah. so sorry to hear that on top of everything else, you know. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is brought on by the anxiety of, uh, you know, your financial state yeah. as well as your health, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it, it's getting bad. Like, my mum, thank God, we'd be lost it out for She's really helping to pay some of the bills and stuff with us and other family members. they like that. The pressure of even trying, you know, in the back of your head of owing them money now like it just seems like our lives are revolved around money where it shouldn't be we should be enjoying our kids where it's both still young like you know my partner he's only 27
and I'm 25, like we're still really young, our kids are young, we should be enjoying them, Absolutely, not having to worry about this. Um, it, we were completely taken by your letter, but, but there's one aspect to it, um, which I really want to bring to Lissa's. You say, I wish I didn't need government yeah. support, <laughs> that I could provide for my family, but my yeah. health is important and I want to be around for my kids to grow up, and that means rest and it means yeah. therapy. And that really says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I wish, I so wish, like, I could be working and providing for them and, like, giving them everything they need and want. But, like, if I do, I've been told if I go back to work, I'm just rushing the process and I could even end up going backwards. And, like, money, like, yeah, we need it, but, like, I want to be around for them. You know, I don't want to be back in hospital. Like, the week that I was in hospital away from Ava was horrible. You know, like, and that's only a week. I don't want to end up going backwards again or... And, you know, more stress there, God forbid, another stroke. You know, I don't want to go through any of that ever again. So the less stress or anything that I can be under, the better. Well, let's see what we can do for you, because I know that Deputy Michael Lowry has been on to us and uh, we made him aware of your situation this morning. And he will, if it's okay with you, set up a meeting with you today and will find a solution. Yeah, because, like, even now... I received a letter about my decision um, last week and, like, here telling me that the, the even though there is evidence um, and a, there's a level of capacity, um, but there's not enough that's to say that I'm not able to work and also that the evidence seems that I can get better so that with treatment that my condition will improve. Like, I hope to God it improves. Like, I I hope that it improves. I hope that, it, you know, it's not like this forever. You but, know, and but in, the, that, in the meantime, the situation you're in is making your, your, your illness worse, I would imagine. Yeah. Make, making like, your headspace yeah. worse as well. Oh, like, my head just doesn't stop. And, like, some days are great and I have no headaches, where it's the pressure and the stress, like... My head is always pounding and like that with the fatigue, I'm constantly tired. Like, And I thought I didn't realise it was fatigue. I was getting frustrated because I didn't know why I was so tired all the time. And when I started the therapy, they said, no, Chloe, that's down to the stroke. And I was like, Hard. like I didn't know that. Or even, you know, when I started the physio, um, doing certain exercises now, all my right side is that bit weaker. And I never, I never noticed that because I hadn't any reason to. So I now have to build up all the strength and the balance on my right side, which I didn't think was even a factor for me. But, but I mean, that's why I can't get over that the department is still saying to you that you don't qualify because you're well enough to work, in their opinion. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like there was no, like there was no meeting of their medical assessor. There was no meeting of their even their doctor. Nothing. It was just through the papers that I had given them. And there was one, there's one part they're saying now that I didn't provide them with the correct, with um, recent documents of certain accounts. And I sent them handwritten letters saying, look, I don't know what these accounts are for. I don't know who owns them. Um, yeah, they might have sent us money or they might have, you know, we might have sent them. But I said, I don't know where they are. I don't know who owns them. And I sent it to the bank and they can't find them either. And I explained this all in the letter and they're still asking for the documents, saying that I didn't provide them with the right documents. So. And this is stressing you. I can even hear it in your voice. Yeah. This is stressing you out completely, obviously. Oh, 
completely. Like, even, like, the process alone, like, I handed in my application in the beginning of July. This is going on a long time, and we get being told. Every time I rang nearly every second week saying, yeah, it's nearly there, it's nearly started. I rang last week, and they were like, oh, yeah, you should have a decision by the end of the week. And then I rang on Friday because I didn't hear anything, and they were like, oh, we sent you out a letter last week. And I I was kind of like, well, why did you tell me during the week that there'd be a decision this week if you've already sent it out and I had got no post? And then when I did get the post, I think was it yesterday, there was same letters but with an extra one in one of them. So to me it sounded like they hadn't made, like they only sent out the letters on Friday. So one person in the communications team was telling me one thing and then another was telling me another thing. <laughs> It's it's just un, unbelievable. Oh. And you, you you're 25 years old in this yeah. in this situation, which is you know how how are the children, Chloe? They're great. They're yeah. so good. One is in preschool, um, and the other he's currently asleep. But they're great. They're full of beans. They're healthy kids. Thank God. We were very lucky with Robbie. He had no complications. It didn't affect the pregnancy whatsoever. Isn't thank that God. fantastic? Yeah. Yeah, that was a major relief. So at the end of the day, that's all we were kind of concerned about was to make sure he'd be okay, especially I was with all the medication I was taking and all the tests they were doing. Um, But no, he's perfect. He's great. There's not a thing wrong with him and so is she. They're happy kids. But like that, I feel awful when they do want to go and run around outside because they're energetic kids and I'm so tired. Like I just... And if that's only two... I can barely keep, keep up on my own too. It wouldn't be fair to go back into a preschool or a creche with 30 odd kids in one classroom depending on me to give them my full attention and you know I wouldn't be able for it. I'd be I'd be shattered by the ha- by the end of the day or even throughout the day. And even as well as all the paperwork that that's involved with Tufla and Ashton Shielka, you have records and documents that have to be ri- have to be written and recorded and like parents see them so if government parties are seeing them like Tusla and Pubble and all them are seeing them as well as parents I don't want my writing and my reading and my spelling to be all over the place because they're going to think well if this girl can barely write me a letter you know what how is she able to teach my children their ABCs you know well that's what's in my head anyway so it's it's an unbelievable story. Um, we we'll keep following this if that's okay. As I said, Dr. Yeah, Michael Lowry's yeah. been on to us. He will set up a meeting with you and do whatever he can for you uh, a little later on today, if that suits you. Is that okay, Chloe? Yeah, no, that'd be great. Yeah, like that. It's just it feels like I'm taking on the whole country, and it shouldn't. It really shouldn't, shouldn't be, be this you difficult. Cer- like you certainly shouldn't be. Indeed, we we'll keep following the story, Chloe, and we wish you yeah. and the family the very very best. And thank, thank you, so you so much, much for coming for on, Chloe. Yeah, no thanks. You're very welcome indeed. Look after yourself, Chloe. Thank you. That's Chloe's story. The second Chloe this morning. How do you feel about that? 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 One listener saying the whole point of disability allowance is to allow when time comes to the person to start work on a rehabilitation basis. It's scandalous that you should ask for independent assessment. Here's his one of our listeners and uh, many people wishing Chloe the very, very best indeed for uh, the future as well. Um, All right, we'll take a break. Back in a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. 
Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, as Pat told you during news, no date has uh, yet been set for the issuing of this year's junior cert results. A number of significant uh, issues even have impacted the delivery and marking of exams this year, delaying the results which are traditionally issued to students in September. Now, the SEC, the State Examinations Commission, confirmed on Monday that it's not yet able to provide a date for when students will get their results. But where does that leave the students and indeed their parents. Well, one of those parents is a great friend of ours, um, a broadcaster, Murish Walsh, who joins me now. Murish, good morning to you. Morning, friend. And uh, thanks for coming on with me, Murish, because your household is one of the thousands in limbo, I suppose, waiting for news at this point. It must be very frustrating, is it? Uh, it is. Um, we had a leave insert as well. So, um, and that's obviously has been, those mar- you know, have been, those marks have been uh, given out and yeah. uh, thankfully everything went okay but uh, yeah it is very frustrating I, I, I think uh, what annoys me about it is that they can't provide any dates they can't provide you know an estimated date um, and significant factors now let's break that down what are the significant factors um, there's all sorts of rumours going around that they can't get people to mark the exams yeah. If that's the case, why not? Um, is it that they're not paying uh, people enough to mark them? Um, and one of the things I find very, very frustrating is that when people would say to me that it's only the junior cert, yeah. um, that's that's the that's the diminishing an exam. And if you're a 15 or 16 year old uh, teenager. But this exam is very, very important. The most, it is the most important exam you've done so far in your life. And uh, as I said to my children, you know, and I'm sure you said it to your children, comes a stage where there's a better, you know, if you go to college, there's about a 10-year period in your life where every exam matters. And uh, the other thing is that one of the reasons why we had to have a, we were told the reason why we had to have it this year uh, in its traditional format, mm. was that the, those who sat to leave and start this year, including my son, didn't sit the junior cert yes. two years ago yeah. due, due to COVID. So that couldn't but, play into an estimated um, result, I suppose. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, it's very frustrating. Now, look, um, this is a very calm household, I can tell you. Mm. But every child is different. Every, sorry, every they're not children. Every teenager is different. Mm. And um, and I, 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 you know, and some some teenagers go from, uh, we'll say, junior cert into transition year, but some go into fifth year. Now, your junior cert results, well, certainly back four hundred years ago when I did it, um, is is uh, is determined whether you would, you know, what subjects you could you mm. would take for the leading search cycle, which is, again, it's very, very important. And it's important at the time, and it's extremely important at the time. And it, I just, I, I find the whole thing... Really so what is the situation with that now then, Wirish? I mean, you know, were you waiting for a result to decide on transition year or fifth year, for example, or, well, or subjects, or was well, that already here, decided upon? That was already decided upon here yeah. in this house. That right. 
going to transition year. But it's not. But that's not. But but for example, my son didn't do transition year. Okay. He went straight. He went straight into fifth year. Um, so uh, and it, it. You see, uh, the, the uncertainty, Fran, as you know about anything, is always the is always the worst thing. Mm. And like, uh, I, I mean, I, I have no, I have no problem understanding that there is a delay. There was a delay with the leaving cert, and of course, the appeal process in the leaving cert that has to take precedent because there's college places that at stake, and I and I, I fully accept that, and I understand that, and I, you know, and any rational person would. But when I went to the fourth of October, I mean, the results are normally out in the middle of September, mm-hmm. uh, and to to say this morning that there's. We can't give you any. Can't give a date. No. I presume, um, and uh, this is another important issue that people might forget about. There's an anxiety to waiting around for any result. There is. I mean, I mean, Fran. Like I'm, I'm in my mid fifties, and I I, I did a diploma in journalism, a level seven ten years ago. And we were told the results were coming out on a certain date, and then we were told it was going to be a week's delay on it. Mm. Now, it, it, it wasn't going to impact my life, mm. but, but it, it added, it, it was an anxiety on Of course it. there was, yeah. Yeah, now, I was 45 years of age doing that exam. Yeah. If you're 15, and you're, you're anxious, and bear in mind, like, you know, these, the, 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 the vast majority of, of the children who are teenagers who, who sat these exams, they put a lot of work and effort course, into yes. And to be kind of dismissed in such a way that we just can't, you know, like, you know, driving into the into school this morning to hear on the news, you know, we just can't provide a date. I, 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 I think it's not good enough. And it feeds into that whole thing of people said, Ashford is only the junior mm. cert. And that drives me mad. It drives me. If, 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 it's, if, it's, not, if, it's, yeah. not, if it's not important, don't do it then. And that's an interesting point, uh, Maurice. Has it terminally damaged the junior cert, do you think, uh, from I, a credibility I, point of view? I, 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 well, maybe not terminally, but it, but it's wounded us. It. Yeah. it certainly wounded it. Uh, um, I mean, people who are sitting the junior cert, who are currently trying to sit the junior cert, and if you're if you're if you're a parent or parents and you're trying to get under uh, a teenager to study and uh, look. You know, I, I mean, I broke my father's heart. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I, I'll be yeah. honest about it. At that age, um, you know, it's not going to be. It's not going to be easy. It's, it's not. Sorry, it's not making your job easier. You know, and whilst I've always said, you know, and I'm very consistent on this, that you know, life can't just be an academic experience yeah. or an yeah. economic. Experience. We we all get that. There, you know, there has to be more to life than exams. And at the end of the day, it's not the you know, it's not a life and death situation. But it's still extremely important. Of course, and, it is. Yeah, it's a milestone trying, as well. You know, it absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, if you're trying to get a, a teenager to study and to focus on their on their studies and on their on their education, and, and, and I'm talking about reasonably now. You know, I'm you know. Um, it can make the job very difficult because they can turn around and say to you, "But look, sure, this year's results aren't even out. Sure, who cares?" Yeah. So what does it what, what does it matter? It's the blasé 
um, sort of um, chat about this as well. I mean, the SEC, the uh, the State Examination yeah. Commission, they're saying every effort will be made by the SEC to issue these results as soon as possible and to provide candidates, parents and schools with certainty about the arrangements for issuing the results in due course. When's that? What? That's, that's the question, isn't it? Yes. I mean, due certainty course, and arrangements for issuing the results in due course. I mean, like, and you see that the the other the other side of this is, like, you have um, people, you have um, places now uh, who have celebratory nights, you know, mm. on the on the night of the junior seven mm. results, right? And they're selling tickets on the back of. You know, a presumed date and the date. I mean, uh, we got a text saying that the results were going to be out today. And that's the reason why I, I contacted you this morning. That, that there was a rumour going around about that they were going to be out today. I mean, uh, my sister, who's a retired woman to our scholar, she heard that they were going to be out yesterday. So there's all of this, this, this going around. And, and what, 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 what I would like to see happening is... Norma Foley, our Minister for Education, hmm. uh, just to come out and say, look, this is the situation. Provide a bit of clarity around us and say, and say that give us a date where it won't go beyond. Even if it's sort of like, even if she said, look, Halloween, the results will be out by Halloween. Yes. Then everybody can, can relax and say, right, get it, focus on their studies. Right, but in, in due course is not acceptable, Marish, as much as... No, for, for me, it's, it's, right. as a parent, it's not acceptable. Well, Marish, we wish you well in your family, and thank you so much for coming on with me today. No highlighting that. Thank you, and good morning to you. That's uh, our good friend, Marish Walsh, there. News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, you're very welcome back. Huge response to both our Chloe's, and what we'll do is that we'll gather up all of those, and if we don't bring them to you uh, today on the programme, because we're kind of jam-packed, we will bring it to you tomorrow. Is that OK? 1800-938-007. For every problem, there's a solution. Dear Phil, on Tip Today with Phil Prendergast. And Phil is large as life in the studio with me. How are you, this Phil? This is the old large there now, oh, sorry. <laughs> You know I didn't mean it. Oh, Lord God, do you hear that? Um, can, will you put your midwifery hat on you for a moment? Because we were speaking to Chloe earlier on. She was talking about the fact she went in, she needed an emergency C-section, was in there for three days. Didn't feel that she got um, encouragement or the, the proper encouragement to breastfeed and it was only her herself being absolutely certain that that's what she wanted to do and she had the strength of character to push it otherwise she would have accepted the bottle for the child. Um, 
Which is such a pity, Fran, really, because... You've I, always advocated. Yeah, I, well, only because I believe that when your body makes the feed that's suitable for your child, your body has made that supply for that baby. And it is a shame not to utilise something that's free at the right temperature, available on tap, if you will, and you can sit down and give all the time in the world to it if you, if it's your first baby and even with a second baby or subsequent babies, you're used to it and you know how to manage and you know how to, to tailor it. It is an awful pity that breastfeeding is still considered to be such um, an onerous task when it's completely natural. Now, just by saying it's completely natural um, doesn't mean it's completely easy because it's not. Because for those first few days when you're not used to a small thing attached to you and making you sore and trying to sit on stitches perhaps and going with all the gory details that's involved with childbirth generally, I'm not trying to make out that it's just such a breeze that you put the baby on and the baby will latch on, it'll suck beautifully, it'll fall off the baby will be fed and content and you'll be delighted with yourself admiring the baby because for most of the time you're thinking oh my god how do I know how much the baby is getting you can't weigh a boob and see how how light it is after the feed or what is it is the baby getting anything are they able to soak has a tongue tie what you know so they do need actual support and there are very good lactation consultants otherwise people that know what they're talking about as midwives and are very good but unfortunately there's very few staff available available now to give time to it and that's a huge problem isn't absolutely, it absolutely yeah. because i mean there i was speaking to a midwife during the week and she was telling me that there would be some days there would be only one midwife on the entire floor and care staff then supporting the the workload. So when you have that, and like midwifery is such, I suppose, so specialised, you can never be complacent with the whole situation. Mm. And I suppose the labour ward gets priority or the special care baby unit gets priority because they're they're needy in those particular departments. But if you send home a mum that hasn't gotten support to be able to initiate breastfeeding um, and she feels unsupported and lacking in confidence, you're possibly going to lose the opportunity for her for her body to regain its pre-pregnancy state, size, tone, position and all that goes with that as well as giving your baby the very, very best food for it. But I do recognise there are people Mm, that mm. the idea of breastfeeding is revolting to them and I accept that and there's no judgement. It simply is the right thing for the right people at the right time. Very interesting indeed. Well, as I say, a huge amount of support coming in from people, but some horror stories coming in about people who were not supported as well along yeah. along the way, while they would have liked to have breastfed. But, yeah. but, but there you go. All right, into our letters, Phil. <clears throat> and the first one, dear Phil, my youngest child is seven and very bright and aware of the world. He spends a lot of time online, even though we're very careful to limit that time as much as possible. But I think it might have given him a broader view of the world than our older children has had at his age. My concern with that, though, is that recently he's been asking about transgender and what it means. I explained it as well as I could and as appropriately as I could, and he seemed to to be happy with the explanation. The problem is that he came back to me a few days later and said that he wondered if maybe he wanted to be a girl instead of a boy. Now, I asked him why, 
and he said because he wanted to have a different experience and felt that life would be more exciting as a girl. I explained to him that life has its problems, whether you're a girl or a boy, and that he is at an age where things might be a bit confusing and to wait and see until he is older. He kind of shut down after that conversation and hasn't spoken about it since. I wonder, did I approach it correctly? I never got an inkling before that he was feeling that way. He was always a boyish boy. He liked trucks and the outdoors. He's anything pink and girly and wouldn't have much time for the girls in school. I just wonder if he has been exposed to something that confused him and uh, he wonders if he should be part of that scene or if he is genuinely confused about his gender identity. What should I do? Well, when I when I read it first, I, like I didn't have the attention span of a gnat when I was seven years of age, no mind to say access to any of this because, as you know, it's much more recent than us. And um, when I read it first, I just thought, what is a child of seven having access to a, a computer that's able to look at these range of things? But in the first sentence, she just said that he's very, very bright and he sounds it. And I would think that she needs to completely take this at face value. It's a word he's heard. It is topical at the moment. There's a lot going on about it. And there's, of course, we we have much more exposure to um, hearing a lot of discussions about transgender and people and the problems they're having, even accessing care and all that goes with it. There's a huge amount um, with with people that feel that they're in the wrong body or body dysmorphia or any sort of things, issues like that, that involves a lot of psychological assessments and there's a huge range that has to be to, to get to the point where there's actual surgery involved or needing to change things for to to, to identify with the, the gender that you feel you are. So I just think that this little child is quite bright he saw something, heard something, and he's just simply wondering what it might be like. So he's really thinking beyond the, as I said, the attention span that I would have had at that yeah. age. I wouldn't yeah. be able to think of the words like three minutes later, or probably three seconds later. But it's it's just, I do feel that she handled it absolutely right. She told him in as, as clear as she could what it meant. And um, he hasn't spoken about it since I don't think that's a shutdown of a conversation. I, I think it was passing fancy. He asked about it. She told him about it. He might mull over it for a while. He might not. But I, I think I think it's, um, you know, that he's, she hasn't got anything to worry mm. about. And even if it was that he was identifying right now, because they say it happens very early for some. They'd say, no, I'm in the wrong body. I just know I am. Um, that it's support they would need. But this just seems to be a natural inquisitiveness. She does, as I said, state that he's bright. And um, he asked a question and like we, I wouldn't have expected a seven year old to even know what transgender is, but they do because it's in their face. So um, I think she's nothing to worry about here. Um, I don't think she should worry about anything. Do you think this is a common uh, experience that, you know, because of the exposure so young, that parents have to come up with the explanations and have to be able to point them in the right direction. You see, I mean, at seven years of age, you wouldn't be talking about any direction whatsoever. You'd be you'd be having a conversation to questions you're asked, keep them simple. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's no need to go into too much detail about what might happen and, you know, <laughs> what, yeah. what bits need to be chopped off or added on or any of the rest of it or reconstruction. There, You can keep things relatively simple at that age. 
And, you know, it's if, if a child continuously and continuously comes back to it or feeling wrong, then they should have an assessment by a psychologist to see if there's something more going on or if they can be supported further. But I don't think that this child... Um, you know, she, she does say he spends a lot of time online, even mm-hmm. though we're very careful to limit the time. But a lot of time and limiting time doesn't seem to reflect that Right. it's a short time. He's and and do you think he might be going down a rabbit hole with this and chasing it up online, the reading stuff? He, and, he has heard it yeah. somewhere. Right. He has heard conversations. He's probably reading about it. Um, I would have wondered about the ability of a seven-year-old to actually comprehend what the whole range of things is. But it could have been a simple question because he's heard the word transgender. What does that mean? And it could be just a natural curiosity. I wouldn't overthink. And I, I gave quite a lot of thought to this question because mm. I thought initially, I was like, oh, what are you doing letting him have an access online, unfettered? Like, this is not okay. And then I just realised, like, do you know what? This child is right. He probably has an interest but I would like to be the moderator on what is being watched and keep it simple after that don't give too many explanations there's no need to go into the chicken and the egg the other egg and who all that crack Um, I'm just thinking how simple our childhoods Oh, you see, they they were they were very simple, but then again, we we were very um, I don't know, we were very gullible, really, because we'd go off in the morning, uh, and my day would start sitting on the step, and and with the with my fingertip taking the cream off the can of milk that was on the doorstep, (laughs) and then take off for the day, and you'd only come back then for for lunch, and it would be a sandwich, and you'd be off, and it could be a jam sandwich, and you'd be headed off again, uh, a glass of milk or a cup of milk, and you'd be gone again. And you come in then for your tea. And if you weren't in then by the time it got dark, you really were in trouble when you got in. <laughs> Simple times. Oh, yeah, they um, were. Definitely. All right, our second letter, dear Phil. I live next door to a lady who has a child similar age to mine. We would be friendly, but not exactly best friends. But we have fallen into a habit now uh, that is making me cross and resentful. Our kids would play together from time to time and at the end of the summer, myself and the mum in question got chatting at the door where we were talking about the upcoming school year. We both drive our kids to school, which is a 40-minute round trip says he, pulling the paper apart. Uh, She was complaining about the hassle of being back on the school run, and I said in passing that if she was stuck any morning that her lad could come with us, just be at the car for 8.15, and she didn't have to ask. Well, I'm sorry I opened my mouth. Since the first day, her child has been at my car every morning at uh, quarter past eight waiting for a lift. I don't mind so much, but I am a bit resentful. She has never said thanks or never offered to to do another morning in exchange and I'm feeling a bit used and pissed off as a result. Should I approach her about it or should I just suck it up and go ahead? She most certainly should approach her about it. And in fact, the whole approach should be from next week onwards, you'll do one week and I'll do the next week. This um, driving to school and um, accepting all the costs of that 40 minutes is quite a distance. So it's an 80 minute journey. You know, so I mean, I absolutely think it's maybe it's just that she is not thinking. But now because this lady is feeling aggrieved and rightly so, 
if the woman has never even said, gosh, thanks really for, for bringing him, it's, it's taken me out of such a hold or whatever. But it appears the tube are available to drive. So she needs to say to her, listen, do you mind now rotating the um, the driving? Um, and I'll do, and either decide I'll do it for a week and you do it the next week or do it for a month and you do the next month or you start doing doing it for the month and um, whatever, because it's quite a responsibility. Mm. And um, she needs to sort this out. There's no point in getting resentful and feeling angry and there's no point in, in because, I mean, I'm sure the child will sense that the woman is not exactly happy. But I don't know how, how the woman whose child is being lifted to school thinks that it's okay that it should all be one-way traffic and it shouldn't involve her and her offering to do it every second week. So? So she needs to go and talk to her and say, listen, um, either you're going to share this job and be fair about it, but, like, it's very unfair that I'm bringing your child to school every day right, and now, uh, you're not doing it. The devil's advocate in me would have to say, she did offer. She did offer to take the child. I know she did. Yeah. But, like, there should be a counter-offer saying, well, you know, right. if you're doing it every week, I will do it every second week, every other week, so as you get a break. Hmm. Because that's, that's, that's also fair. fair. That's fair. And I, th- I think as well that when something <clears throat> like this happens and a, resentful, a re- resentfulness starts as a niggle, it's going to get worse and it's going to get to the point where she might just say, somebody, well, listen, we're actually not going to be able to fit you in this morning. I have to bring some extra equipment or something. And mm. that's the wrong way of doing that. She just needs to go and say to her, listen, you know, your young fellow's been coming to school with us now for the next, the last few months or the last year or whatever. Um, what do you think about actually sharing the, the driving? Um, would you do it next week? And then we can do it every second week. How, how does that sit with you? Yeah. And, uh, and take it from there. Right, but you you have to stand up. And deal you do. With it, I mean, there's you, yeah. a, there's also responsibility because um, I don't know the ins and outs of taking someone to school and what the insurance situation is. Yeah, but I mean, no. you have to mention insurance nearly always with everything now, Fran, mm. because we're gone so. I don't know, but anyway, yeah, you have to be you have to be careful. Have but do. I do think it's very unfair that she would never even have has said thank you or dropped her off a bottle of wine or cake yeah, or whatever a, it is. It's a bit cheeky, all right. It's bold, yeah. Um, a final one. Dear Phil, I'm in my 70s and recently revised my will after a bout of cancer. I'm fine now, thankfully, but it has made me rethink my life. I've always worked hard and built up a nice financial nest egg as a result. I have three children and had put away a sizable bit of money for all of them in my will. I wouldn't live a lavish lifestyle and have always been frugal and careful with my money. I felt that savings were the most important thing. My cancer diagnosis and recovery has changed my thinking a bit now. I've decided that I want to travel the world, but in order to do that, I would need to cash in those savings that are set aside for my children. They've always known that the money is there, but have never really spoken about it. I feel bad about doing it to them, but I think now that life is for living, and what's the point in working hard all my life if I can't enjoy the fruits of my labour? My question is two-part. One, is it selfish of me? And two, should I let my kids know now or let them find out when I'm gone? I would appreciate your advice on this. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, and I would say straight off to her question, is it selfish or no, it's not. 
But I I would be inclined to let her kids know that they might not have as much left over. Now, this woman is in her 70s and that by, by certainly I'm not being ageist when I say this. She might find that perhaps five or six weeks out in Thailand or Australia or somewhere like that might be quite sufficient for her and won't involve using up all of what she was hoping to leave to her three children. Yes. So what I feel that she should do is she should have a discussion with the family. She should see or talk about where she's going to go and have access to the money she's going to need for that, for whatever country she's going to and do all the work that needs to be done and the vaccinations. I mean, if you're going to Australia, that you obviously have to have a series of vaccinations um, and stuff like that. And she should have a chat. I don't think to leave them with the expectation that there's going to be a sum of money for each of them and find out that the mother has frittered it all away is is going to be a good thing to be leaving as a memory. Mm, That she'd be much better off and saying, look, I'm after getting such a fright because I got a bout of cancer and I really feel I want to live. She might find that it could be as much as, I mean, there's nothing as rejuvenating as a week in Lanzarote. Well, depends on how much damage you do to your liver. But, like, it could be that she might find short journeys to be a more... It it might be a nicer thing for her to think of doing rather than going off on a big world cruise or something and deciding that she's on a ship and she can't get off (laughs) and she's nothing left for the children. I'm sure if I die, bury me. She's nothing left for her own rainy day either. Exactly. So look, I think she should sit down and have a chat. And I also think that it probably is a reaction to having a life event that challenged her health Mm. and her longevity. And I also think she needs to think about what effect having had that cancer and the treatment and coming through that would have had on her general health. And would she be up for going away for long journeys to exotic places? I think there's a little bit of discussion to be had, but I appreciate the question. And I do think that um, it is not selfish of her to want to go and celebrate being alive. That's a certainty. Right. But... Leaving her kids to find out yeah. if something happened. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure that that's the right thing to but, do. But I'd like to put it out there, particularly if there's people listening at home, uh, that you're under no obligation to leave a pile of money to anybody. No, you're not. You but know, you see, well, she... I mean, once you educate kids and you put them out in the world and you do your best for them. Yeah, and you're you know. absolutely right there. Now, you, what you don't want to do is leave your kids to look after all the burial and everything that you've not yeah, arranged. sure. So yeah. you'd like to think that there are there are some there are some conversations in everyone's life that is uncomfortable right. where you want somebody's wishes and you don't exactly want to be asking it as you're putting down the bowl of food in front of them thinking Jesus is she after poisoning this <laughs> where would you like to be buried you know I mean it's not exactly it's a conversation I think that does have to be had but yes. I don't and I think as well if if the, the three adults which they are are aware that they're going to be left a sum of money I think she should manage that expectation that perhaps Perhaps there mightn't be as much there as she had intended and anything that she will give them will be fine. But I do think she needs to make arrangements about herself and I think she needs to think it through and perhaps she should try a few short journeys, um, you know, and go away for a week, two weeks, go to somewhere lovely and hot when it's cold and miserable and come back and see how she feels because her energy levels might not be the same as well as going off on a cruise. It's quite, Mm. there can be quite a lot to do, you know. Absolutely. She might even be homesick. You never know. Like, the Well, there would so. be that. You see, I think when people have a life event and a life-changing event, Fran, it does make a level of thinking become more in-depth 
and they start to to think about you know what's your mark going to be on the world and I would rather that she'd sit down and have a chat with the family and just saying this was such a big fright for me to get and such a big and I really would like to do this her family are not going to mind about that mm. and I mean most families are, are kind of in the whole mode of well you know what you need to make arrangements for whatever eventuality is going to hit you in your life and we don't often get the, the opportunity to to say discuss it it's just you know, most people have house insurance, for instance, and most people would have mortgage insurance. And, you know, it's a prerequisite so that at least there's going to be something in place should somebody suddenly pass away. But like where she knows she's come through a life changing diagnosis and has come out the other side, I think the least she might do is kind of draw breath and think exactly what does she want think about the sum of money she has and think does she need I don't know what figure is on this but like whatever figure it is if the expectation of her children is that she's going she's leaving them this she already has that money there and put aside so she still must have money outside of that but also they can't have the expectation that things won't change and maybe something has to change. So they do need to sit down and have a chat. Well, great advice as always, Phil. And by the way, we often put up uh, Phil's um, correspondence on uh, social media and you can have your say on that. So we always enjoy uh, reading down through that as well. Great to see you, Phil. Thanks very much indeed. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Yeah, a huge reaction to both our Chloe's this morning, as I said uh, to you. Let me just bring you a little of that. Um, a great friend of mine, uh, Bonnie, was on to say, Fran, I'm listening to Chloe and her harrowing tale, reminding me of my own position in 2010. I was on disability benefit for two years after open heart surgery, cut off then and trying to live on €106 a week supplementary benefit with two boys in college at the time. Went to a local TD who did absolutely nothing for me, so I had to live like that until I received the state pension. Such a distressing, difficult time. I can see where that poor girl is coming from. Isn't that amazing? And all the listener, Fran, it's just heartbreaking listening to the poor girl and the hassle that the department is putting on honest people. It's just shocking. And all the listener says, Fran, listening to your second lady, Chloe, um, the people that make the decisions are not doctors in Dublin, which is beyond belief. They look at what is in front of them without medical knowledge. How can they make informed decisions on anybody's illness? Wish her the very, very best, but she has to fight. And uh, he goes on to be very complimentary about the show as well. And thank you so much indeed uh, for that. George is in Nina and he says, Fran, this is exactly what is wrong with this country. Uh, you putting Chloe on to an independent TD to get something done for her because he has the ear and is a supporter of a dysfunctional uh, government. Well, in fairness, I mean, we put out the information out there and uh, Michael Lowry um, offered to meet up with Chloe and see what it is that he might be able to do for her. That's 
that's fair play in my book, you know. Uh, I'm in the same boat as Chloe. It's a joke. You feel like you're begging, says one of our listeners. It's time now for a monthly holistic therapy slot and delighted to be joined by Alison Byrne once again. Good morning to you, Alison. Mm-hmm. Have we got Alison there? I think we have. Alison, good morning to you. Good morning, Frank. Oh, we have you. We have you indeed. And nice to hear from you this morning. Last time you and I spoke, we spoke about uh, tarot cards. But it's interesting that there's also uh, a tradition of reading angel cards. And what is the difference, Alison? Angel cards are like a nurturing, supportive um, resource for people. And each of the angel cards will have a different uplifting message. So they'll help to keep you positive, keep your mind positive. The angels are actually working through the cards, so you'll pick the card that's right for you on the day, just like with the tarot. Mm-hmm. And the tarot cards are more uh, giving information, burrowing into why things are the way that they are, and giving actual advice or guidance as to how to go forward. And so what, they're both, both helpful. And when you do one-to-one readings, do you use both sets of cards? No. No. no, no, I use tarot cards. I just use angel cards as a kind of a, a help or a support for myself, but I don't do readings with them. I find that there's a lot of information in the tarot, and because, um, and this, I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way, there are um, light and heavy tarot cards, or what people would look at and say, that's a nice picture, or that's a horrible picture. And it's quite true to life. Life is not all um, positive. You know, we have our ups and downs, and we need to learn to manage them. So I find the tarot very useful to to help people through different situations. Right. So is it more sort of, is it broader in terms of what you can tell from the tarot cards then? From my point of view, it is. Now, if you've got somebody who's working with the angel cards a lot, they'll have a completely different story because that's their area, if you like. Mm, But I would use the tarot a lot. So I've got very familiar with it and I'd be um, comfortable working with it and I wouldn't be afraid to give a message that comes through. You know, if if some if I see something that I think might be a harsh message or something that the person doesn't like to hear, I will let them have that message because it's not my information, it's their information. But I'll do it in a, a, a tactful way. Right. And how do you experience that feeling or those feelings from the cards? How, how does that manifest itself in you? You know, it's very straightforward. You look at the cards. Of course, there's a spread, so it depends where it's placed in the spread. And then you look at the card itself. And there might be let's say, 20 different meanings that you're aware of for that card. Mind first, or whatever one seems to be prominent in the card, that's the one that you're to work with at that point. It sounds a bit a fairy, but it's actually very simple. I mean, I teach people in 10 weeks how to do good tarot readings. It's, it's in us anyway. Our intuition is there. It's just a question of uh, giving the key to open it up. It's very interesting. Now, we put it out this morning. Ali and I spoke about this before the show, and I was saying, I'm not sure will there be interest in people having their tarot cards read over the air, but there's been a huge interest uh, in it. So are you okay to talk to people, Alison? Absolutely. Absolutely. And weren't you a role model last time, having your own cards read? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was very interesting, too. Really, really interesting, in fact. All right, let's go with Kathleen, first of all. Kathleen, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed and good to talk to you today. Are you a fan of tarot cards? I actually have my own cards. Have you? I have indeed. Uh, and uh, I just, I enjoy cards, tarot, angels, cards. Um, I don't read for people generally, do you know what I mean? But when I heard this coming on this morning, I went, 
God, this is a lovely opportunity to have a reading done. You know, even if it's only a quick one. Very good. And and do, would you read for yourself on the daily basis, for example? No, no, no. No, 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 no. no. Right. Not all, every so often I pull them out. If friends call, you know, they just come out every so often. Once in a wonder. And we have great, we, we, we relax with them, you know. All right, say hello to Alison. Good morning, Alison. Uh, Kathleen, be nice to read you now. So what yes. do you need from Kathleen, Alison? Just need a question. What is the question that you're worrying about, thinking about? I suppose, like anyone else, health would be an issue at my age. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to take three cards for you on your behalf on health. So the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to... I have the cards read out here for you. They're all cleared and everything. And you just tell me to stop each time I take the card that my hand is hovering over at that, that stage. Okay, so I'm going to start okay. just running my hand up now. Stop. Okay, that's one. Again. Stop. Come out two. And again. And stop. Okay. Now, do you know the cards? I'll just tell you what you picked. You've got the Ace of Pentacles, the, the Devil, and the Nine of Swords. Okay? okay. So the Ace of Pentacles saying that overall you have good health, but you're going into another area, another stage of looking after your health. Um, if anybody knows these cards, it's the Garden of Eden with a gateway, so you can go out through the gateway. So I've been fairly comfortable in the past managing your health as it has been, but you're going into an area of change. The devil is the one that we kind of torment ourselves with. Have I been doing too much excessive? Have I, you know, had the habits that haven't worked or did not pick up the habits that were right for me? And the, the nine of swords is... Um, what would we say, worrying yourself without having answers. So it looks like there is a, a question coming up of your health and it's time to actually address it, not to uh, try to pretend it's not there. There is a way through it, but um, your fears will be kind of pulling you down a little bit if you don't address it. When I see something like this with the, the heavier cards at the end, I would always encourage the person to take one more card for extra guidance. Would you like to do that? Yes, please, yeah. Okay, so just say stop. Stop. Okay. Now, you've got the Ten of Pentacles, which would indicate a, a, a visit to a hospital or a, a big clinic, but it's a 10, so the outcome is going to be positive. You're going to get more than the medical health there, you're going to get some information that helps to shift you onto an easier path, an easier road towards um, going forward in life. Really like I'm going to a hospital tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, well, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a good um, outcome from but you're, it's not just what you're going to get on the practical plane. You're going to get some help on the emotional side from um, a, an old person that you meet there or somebody who's quite is quite settled in themselves. Whatever their attitude or the things or a remark that they pass is going to be very helpful apart from the actual practical health. So Kathleen, how much of that makes sense to you then? Um, <laughs> the whole lot really. Yeah. yeah. I've had some brain scans and uh, I'm going to hospital tomorrow. But I, I feel myself it's going to be okay, you know. Yeah. And yeah. like that, uh, yeah, that's spot on. That's that's uh, just uh, incredible. Do you find that incredible, Kathleen, or because you're so used to tarot cards, are you? I, I don't find it incredible because um, uh, I'd be used to this, but I was very mm -hmm. interested to see would anything come up around this 
you know, that's happening. And uh, yeah. it did, you know. So... It's incredible. Well, Kathleen, we wish you the best uh, tomorrow Not and going all, forward okay. with your health as well. And thank you so much for coming on with us, Kathleen. Not at all. It was my pleasure. And thank you very much, Alison. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye to you. Bye-bye. That's Kathleen. And uh, we're going to go to, to Geraldine now. Geraldine, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And good good to talk to you. Say hello to Alison, Geraldine. Hi, Alison. Hi, Geraldine. How are you? Good morning. So, uh, Geraldine, will you tell Alison what, what you're hoping for from this? Well... Um, Fran, it's not so much that I'm hoping for anything. I just want a bit of guidance, you know, in life. Okay. Well, what it, about that, Alison? Well, we'll just, because, it, like, if somebody came to me on a one to I'd say, grand, we'll just do the cards. But because it's on radio, it makes it a little bit easier for people to listen to and understand. If you could take one area of your life that you need guidance on, could you do that? One area of my life would be, I don't know, um, oh, God. I, I really oh, don't know now. I, I can't answer that at the moment. That's, that's okay, Geraldine. Right. Take let's your time go for a, no a general. general hmm. Well, let's take three for that too. Three is a, a, a useful one. Okay, so I'm starting to um, run my hand over the card. So you just sprint stop, Geraldine. Stop. That's one. Okay. Go again. Uh, stop. Two. And again. Stop. Now, I'm going to say the names for anybody who knows them. You've got the Two of Cups, the Empress and Temperance. When you get a spread like this, they're all good cards. And it's unusual to get a spread, all good cards. You need some sort of a mixture. So it looks like um, you are doing okay. What you have been doing so far is working and is going to come more to fruition for you. This Two of Cups means that our inner male and female, and we all have an inner male and female. Sometimes one is more dominant, and sometimes one is neglected a whole lot. Yours aren't. Yours are interacting well. So what that means is when you need to act from your male side and get things done, you're able to. And when you need to act from your female side and maybe look after yourself, you're able to yeah. do that too. So it's a lovely balance. The Empress is a great card. It's in the middle. The centre card is very important. And the Empress is somebody who is resting, not because they're tired, but resting, because they want to rest. It's allowing life to flow to you, allowing you to accept the gift of life um, and the resources that are there for you. And there's none of this guilt that a lot of us feel about, oh, what we'll be doing, doing, doing. You know, it's just yes. good. You're, you're, you're um, what we say, you're enjoying the effort that you've put in over the years. And then you have temperance. And temperance is a beautiful part on yet another journey because we're always progressing. And you have a foot on, we call it the practical side of life and foot in the spiritual side of life. And you have had that over the years. But it's like mm-hmm. it's coming a time of a new experience, a calling to go forward another bit into more exploration and enjoying yourself on, on the spiritual and you're very glad. There's a beautiful, strong angel here helping you through it. It's a, a wonderful reading. I'd love that myself. Does does That's that does that make sense to you, Geraldine? Yeah, it does. It does, Fran. It does make sense because yeah. I do worry a lot about my kids. You know, although they're over eighteen, and my youngest girl just finished college, so I just worry about them, Fran, Fran in the future. You know, yeah. maybe when I pass on. Yeah. Would it be all right in that, yeah. you know? They're a constant worry, but, it, you know, that's a very positive reading there, Geraldine. Oh, it's beautiful yeah. reading. Yeah, OK. That's very good. Thank well, you very Geraldine, much. Geraldine, we, we, wish, we wish you well and your lovely family too. Thanks, Geraldine. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Fran. Uh, would you Bye-bye. take one more for me, Alison, if you would, uh, because uh, Siobhan is joining us now. Siobhan, good morning to you. 
Good morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed. What about you, Siobhan? Are you looking for something in particular from Alison? No, not really. Just when I heard you on the radio, I just said I'd put in my name. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a general one again, is it, Siobhan? Yeah, please. Yeah, okay. So we'll do the same. I'm going to run my finger along the card and you tell me when to stop. Stop. That's one. Okay, we go again. Stop. Two. Do you know, a second one came out with it, so we'll take that. That's your third one. It's the way things go. You go with the flow here with tarot. Now, this is an interesting one. You have a king of cups, ace of wands, and ace of wands. The king of cups is you, which means, now, I know you're a lady, but you're a strong lady, and you have had to weather a lot of storms. The king of cups is sitting on a kind of a concrete throne in the middle of a kind of a stormy sea. So you have learned over the years to be able to keep yourself strong and balanced and steady no matter what's going on. You have a very um, caring heart. In in the King of Cups, the cup is actually very, very big. So you have no problem giving to people, helping people. And within that, you're able to keep yourself. You're, you're not kind of giving till you're, you're drained out. You're, you're doing it right. It's a lovely card. The Ace of Wands and the uh, Ace of Wands. Wands are the whole area of life. It can be the work, your daily routine. It's called toil. So it's your ongoing day, daily life. And there's a, a new, there's a change coming up. Once you see the Ace, there's something new coming. You have been thinking of this change for a while. These eight of Wands are inspiration that has been coming down from the heavens for a while. And it's time now to act on that. So whatever it is that you've been wondering... Should I, could I, would be right for me? The answer here is yes, do it. And it's going to bring you to a level of satisfaction that you're not imagining now because it is in the future. But both these cards here have a hassle in the background. That will indicate more ease, more stability, just enjoying life. Just another level, even though you're doing fine now, there is another level that you can go to. Does, yeah, that, does that, that make sense to you, Siobhan? It, it does, yeah, yeah, it does. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And oh, are, yeah. Are you are you a strong woman? Everyone says I am. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Very good. The cards indeed. tend to get it right. Yeah. yeah. And how, have you had your tarot cards read in the past, Siobhan? Never. No, never had it done. All right. Okay. Well, oh, congratulations. I, I hope you enjoy the experience. Thanks. I did. Th- thanks, Siobhan. Thanks very thanks, much. Uh, thanks very much indeed. It's absolutely fascinating, Alison, isn't it? Isn't it? And you never know when you're going to put out a spread, what's going to come up. I mean, people could tell you a similar story about that they want to move work or whatever it is, and totally different things come out. And you see, like, oh, yeah, well, what's going on really for you now at age 40 is what happened to you when you were two. <laughs> it's been reflected forward and coming up to be here. All that sort of thing. It's, it's amazing what comes in. Isn't it? And I mean, what we've been doing there now is, is really just the tip of the iceberg because it's over it's a phone. Very of course yeah. It is. yeah, obviously, if yeah. somebody meets you, it can be much more in depth and uh, all it of that. We would start off with a, a general spread, probably a gypsy spread, which, believe it or not, is 21 cards, but you get a lot of information from it. And then we would go into the spreads, and particularly if they have a problem and they want to know what to do about the problem. The really useful spread called the five card spread, and it burrows into where did the problem come from in you, even if it's another person's behavior. There's something in your energy has drawn it towards you, and that's where you can address that. Then the situation itself will resolve. You know those sorts of things. So fascinating, isn't it? Fascinating indeed. Uh, lots of our listeners want to know how can they contact Alison Byrne. Okay, my telephone number is oh eight six 
0457. And I have a website, alisonburnhealing.com. And I do the readings over Zoom and phone as well as in person. And the other, can I just throw in here? Of course you, you can. A lot of the time we do readings and healing. The issue comes up and then we will in the energy. So that's another way to look at it or straightforward reading. Oh, very good indeed. So what you, what you gain from the cards leads into the healing. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, we, we yeah. highlight and find out what is the issue and then use energy to resolve it. Right. It's a great way to work. Most interesting. Always a pleasure, Alison. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning to you. And uh, we might do that again next time round. in fact, because there's been such a fantastic response uh, to it. Once again, that phone uh, number for Alison Byrne is 86 Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, when I was going through the headlines uh, in the newspapers earlier on, I brought it to you from the examiner that many inpatient waiting lists at Munster hospitals have increased over the past year despite significant funding analysis has shown. Now, in February, the government allocated $350 in dedicated funding to tackle waiting lists. But what has happened, uh, there's been an increase, in fact, uh, over the past year of the numbers of people uh, waiting. So you would wonder, what about the 350 million? What's the store story? Where is it? What happened to it? Was it misspent? What's, what's going on? Well, one of our listeners, Barbara, was on to say, We'll never know where any money is spent in the HSE, Fran, as they're not accountable to anybody, and especially the taxpayers. As a mother in full-time care of my special needs son, I received a letter in the post yesterday denying him a speech and language review for his eating disorder. This therapy is vital so he doesn't choke to death. Um, They stated in the letter that they won't give him the review due to speech and language not being available to adult users in day services since the 2019 cutbacks. And the HSE have already gone over budget by two billion at this point, says Barbara. There you go. Joey joins me. Joey, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Really good to talk to you today. We were talking about people struggling with household uh, bills and meeting financial costs and uh, the like. Tell me about your experience with, with your Sky Bill. My Sky Bill, we were basically told, got a bill this morning that was 92 euro, right? Yeah, and so and I rang them up this morning. They said the best that they can do for us is it's seventy two euro. Well, we've been a loyal customer for the last seven years, and they told us that they would reduce it to fifty two, but now it's gone up to seventy two. And how can they justify that, Joey? I don't know. And I was and and it's worse than as well. I was only recently met redundant then as well. Oh Lord God! Yeah, and you you were paying fifty on on a particular package. Is that it? Yes. Correct, yes. Right, and after a period of time, then that package increases. Right. Yes. Did you know this was going to happen? No, no, not at all. Right, and when you called them up, what so what did you get from them? They basically said that the best that they can do for us was €72. Euro. was the best that they could do for us. They told us to ring back in October, so we rang back today, and they said... They should never have told us to ring back in October. They said wait till November. 
ring back again in November. But either way, as it looks now, you'll be paying an extra twenty euro a month. Is that yes. it? Right. Yes. And can you afford that if you're no. without work? So what are you going to have to do? We we will have to leave. You just have to to stop paying. Yes, stop stop our contract because we've been a loyal customer for the last seven years, and this is what happened. Right. And are they giving new customers a better deal than that? Probably, yeah. And what if you're to say to them, listen, I, I'm going to have to cut the contract and I, because I can't afford it. Would they not review it then? And We don't know. We, we're trying to see what options we have before we can decide with that. Right. <coughs> what about bills in general, Joey? What are you finding out there with the cost of living and all of that? It's a joke. Like, this cost of living is... Everything has gone sky high. The rent, the coal, everything has gone sky high. And in the budget, I mean, was there anything there that made you think, well, you know, they're bailing me out here, they're they're going to make life easier for me? No. Oh. The budget didn't help at all again this year. Any of us. That whatever extra few bob you're saying, it will be eaten up by the increase in cost and inflation yeah. and all of that anyway. Basically. So all I'm entitled to is a 12-year increase in the budget this year because I'm on a social disability allowance. Right. And that that won't cover the cost of living that's happening at the moment. Right. So, so do you mind my asking exactly how much you're on a week then? A hundred and thirty-three euro a week. Would you like? How can you possibly manage on that? I know. It's a jo- it's a joke. And is this a worry to you constantly? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, when you hear about politicians gaining a lot of extra money, you know, all of the time on top of very substantial salaries and expenses, anyway, does it does it annoy the hell out of you? Oh, it does. Like, how how can they in- get 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 increases of say five to six thousand? But yeah, we're only entitled to people on social welfare are only entitled to say, a twelve euro increase. Right. That's what pisses me off the most. Yeah. So you're frustrated over it and you get yeah. crossover and all of that. Yeah. Well, Joey, we wish you well. We'll try and find out more about this Sky situation and what uh, what the story is. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Well, you look after yourself in the meantime. And uh, thanks for making time for us today, Joey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And bye-bye to you. That wraps up uh, the show for today. Ali produced and uh, Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel. We'll be back with you uh, tomorrow with the usual uh, Tip Today Fair from 9 o'clock and, of course, lots of listener uh, interaction on the show as well. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie